come back. We're on a roll today. Listen, you may have heard a few things just through the grapevine. And you may not have heard a few things. We are the most incompetent two people on the planet. Yeah. We, uh, we, this is a bonus bit. This is not an episode. Yeah, bonus bit. We had recorded a Schraderama episode. The, the machine, Schraderama. The, the, just a, the. The Schraderama episode. We were two, th- two thirds away through. Machine failed. File corrupted. We tried to film this bonus yeah, bit yeah. only a moment ago. Mike wasn't on. Mike wasn't on. Famously, uh, you, you guys love it when I do that. Um, And so now we're going to look. March 1st. Yeah, keep your eyes filled. <laughs> March 1st. Danny's going to be back in town, and hopefully we'll record Trainorama by then. Yes. Uh, so just be ready for multiple episodes coming up where we mentioned that it's coming. Uh, it's not going to be ready. Uh, like to pay Grant $2. He's going to give me $2, uh, which is beautiful. For and the two times very, we fucked this up. The two times we fucked this up. Uh, which is funny that I'm getting a dollar for the time that I Well, because, because, Grant, we are still going to select our new film. Yeah, we're just going to Rip the bandaid off and because Grant needs to get started. Yeah, I need to get started. This also, sucks. I'm going to be mad if you pick someone with a lot of films. No, 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 don't worry. Because here's the deal, Grant. I get a Grant, mulligan according Grant, to Danny. Listen, Grant was right. I actually hadn't seen all the movies by the time we were already halfway through this recording. I hadn't seen them all. So I'm going to give Grant the option of I'm going to present three filmmakers. Okay. And you get to pick the one that you feel is most interesting. Okay. And I tried to pick filmmakers. Now, here's the thing that do we want me even to reveal it right now or do we want to save that for Schrader Rama? No, I think because the audience also should should Okay. Listen, the audience should get a chance to watch these films because some of them will have films in theaters if you're in the Los Angeles area. Interesting. So, if you're listening, here are the presentations. First up, we actually mentioned him in the original Schrader Armor recording. So I'm sorry. And he'll probably be brought at- back up. Harmony Corinne. Okay. Gummo's going to be in a... Gummo, that sold out at the New Beverly already. You should actually just go it, bother them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that's one. I've seen one Harmony Corinne movie. I've seen The Beach Bump. I've not seen any of the, his directorials, so... <sighs> That's, that'd be that'd be something. That would be it. But there's only like six. <laughs> there are only six. That is the nice thing is you, that's under ten. Spike Jones. Yeah. But I'm adding in the qualifier that we should watch Jackass because Secret Movie Club is showing all three of them. Yeah. And but if you're you, not going to be here, I'm not going to go to that. You should go. I don't want you, to watch you, those. Enjoy <laughs> those movies. The be- the only way to enjoy those movies is in, is as Margot Robbie would say. <laughs> in a large crowded theater. Okay, all right. Just saying. Like, I, I like Spike Jones. I just I knew that was going to be a qualifier when he was put forward. The last one is maybe a bit of a cop out, but I wanted to give you an easy one in case you were interested. Is Damien Chazelle? Mm-hmm. Have you? I believe I only haven't seen the first one. Okay, for some reason I thought you hadn't seen Whiplash. No, I see Whiplash. Okay, I made my family watch Whiplash. Well. Okay. Well, then I haven't seen Babylon and I haven't seen First Man. Uh, but if you ever wanted to get some Damien Chazelle hot takes out, we could do that one year from now. So your options are, again, Harmony Corinne, Spike Jones, or Damien Chazelle. Because I said one white man is not enough. I must make <laughs> Big three. Yeah, we got to pick a non-white guy after this year. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I wanted to pick Hayao Miyazaki, but then I was like, that's so easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's too easy. I should have picked Juan Carwai this year. Yeah. And then I started to pitch in your E2, but then you... 
Then you also pitched, you wanted to do Takeshi to Katano at one point. That, uh, well, yeah, but it's... <laughs> no, the, I know. I, I've looked the at it so much. Same I know, we would have the same problem in that there's like 20 movies to watch. And they're all very slow. <laughs> Great movies, but very slow. Fuck uh, it. Guys, buckle in. <laughs> We're watching Harmony Crane's movies yeah! this next year. Woo! That's gonna be that's gonna be something. I'm curious what I'm gonna think. Because I've wanted to see these movies. People I know who like these movies can be insufferable. <laughs> yep. I these movies might be insufferable. I guess we're gonna find out, guys. We're all gonna watch Trash Humpers together. <laughs> to this I'm excited. Year. That's that's <laughs> the movie I maybe am most excited to see. You're a sicko. I I'm gonna get around to watching all Spike Jones stuff. I mean, I'm pretty close to having all of his stuff watched already. I think I might just be missing where the wild things are. I think that's all I'm missing. Uh, no, but, I'm also missing John Malkovich. Oh man, that's good. We should. Should watch that. Sometime. They're showing that at Secret Movie Club also. That in adaptation later this I month. I know. Another reason I picked those because again, all these guys are going to have their stuff in theaters Th- soon. They're showing a lot of Spike Jones uh, this year and Secret Movie Club. I don't know if they're doing as much Harmony Green, but I'm sure they're going to do some screens. Gummo is going to be on, which I know that it's, it's just, like a well, one day matinee. It's though. sold out, but also if you ever show up to fucking New Beverly, they ha- usually have like. 30 tickets waitlisted or something. They got two rows that they they yes. rope off. But uh, also uh, good I luck. Like, good luck if you want to I feel like kids. This. I know it's he wrote it and they didn't direct it. Don't whatever. But I feel like kids usually comes around once a year. Okay, probably. I, I'm not here. Danny's been here. I haven't been here. And then you know I'm what? Sure spring, they they just did spring breakers too. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to do some screenings at some point this year. Jesus Christ that what do you have like a belt in the I dryer have a jacket right now? like with a big zipper. Okay. Jagged with a big zipper. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, you heard it here first. Harvey Kareen is the pick for 2023. We, are, we also have to watch all his Letterman interviews. Those are really oh, fun. Those are required <laughs> viewing. We absolutely. I mean, I've watched all of those. Uh, me too. Uh, you'll be ready for There's Julian Donkey Epic Boy. Latered, where he's they interview Spike. Wait. Well, they do Spike Jones too, but they interview Harmony Kareen. Oh. You get ready for uh, that music video he made with the Snapchat glasses. Oh yeah. Uh get ready for uh, uh he did other movies too. Uh, donkey I said donkey Julian Donkey Boy. Boy. Did you say Julian? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's his dogma movie, which is funny. We talked about dogma movies on the now lost Streetorama episode. Sorry. It's not Danny's fault. It is a the movie fault. dogma. I liked that movie when I saw it. I have not watched it in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Would be nervous to rewatch it. <laughs> Kevin Smith, more like Kevin Whiff. Actually, I feel like most of his movies are fine. There's, he's never really whiffed that hard. I feel like there's some whiffs. <laughs> I haven't. I feel like I've only mostly watched the movies that people generally like. Yeah. Well. So. All right. Well, I'm sorry, Kevin, if you're listening. That was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm. I'm unfamiliar with your game, Kevin. You are probably never going to be eligible for <laughs> the bona fide retrospective. I thought you were going to, for some reason, my mind jumped to healthcare, and I was oh like, Oh my God. You're probably no. never going to be eligible for Social no. Security. I absolutely was not about to say that. I was going to just say, I, I, <laughs> I'm just no saying, I, anyway. I, I doubt that you will be picked by either of us for the bona fide filmmaker uh, well, maybe. retrospective. How, long, how many years we got in this? You know? We'll see. I don't, I think we can think of a lot of filmmakers who we'd rather run through the filmography of before we get to Kevin Smith. Yeah, you named three of them. 
I was considering even saying maybe we should do Gus Van Sant after he was mentioned. Oh, no, what are you talking? You're insane. And then I, and then I thought about it. I was like, I don't even. Really you should have looked that. at the filmography, and that would have changed. You would have yeah. changed your tune quickly because he keeps making movies. No, I think is I guess I am in my my head. I go Gus Van Sant has ten movies, and then I look and I go, he has way more than ten no, movies. You don't want to watch Sea of Trees. You don't want to watch <laughs> T won't get far on foot. I've never heard of these movies. You don't. Well, they came out in the last decade. One explains why Joaquin I haven't Phoenix watched is in the wheelchair Sant movie in the last decade. Uh, there's Matthew McConaughey's in Sea of Trees. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, if you picked him, I guess you could have gotten maybe in touch with him to apologize for Elephant, which is something you also I think said. I, in th- the I Los believe Shader I wanted Robinson. an apology for Elephant, uh, not for me, but for others. Yeah. Um, I also considered getting <laughs> adding Jeremy Saulnier. Um, that would have been easy, but he's yeah, he's three movies and one episode of True Detective, I believe. So, oh, okay. All right, that means I, I probably have seen most of his stuff. I think the only one I haven't seen is Green Room. So that's all I'm missing on him. And we'd already watched Murder Party for the podcast. Yeah, Blue Ruins good. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's it, guys. <clears throat> well. Uh, welcome to the new year. Welcome baby. to the new year. Enjoy whatever episode is rolling right after this. Probably, probably just gonna be Kino. I think it's probably what Kino. Probably the Kino. Probably the Kino. Enjoy it. Muppet, 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 Muppet. <laughs> Is that what they're supposed to say? No. <laughs> I just thought it'd be a funny mic check. Mic check. It would be funny if all their mic checks were just Muppet, 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 Muppet. Thank God this football game's unrated. <laughs> I yeah. love when all the players halfway through when they switch to shirts versus skins. Uh, <laughs> what? You said that like it was gross or something. It is kind of gross. Shirts versus skins is gross. Yeah. Did you? Did you? Not, do you not think that's gross? Like, like, th- like that's like a that's like a thing. Like that they're just like we don't even we, we don't even have two colored jer- now. Everybody just get naked for me. Well, I mean, I don't think of it as a thing that they would do normally in a a league well i just mean the concept of shirts versus skins because it's just like i mean i don't think it's gross i just think it's funny but i also couldn't give less of a shit i wouldn't be participating in either versions of this sport so i I just think i think contact sports shirts versus skins is so gross and they're and i'm not saying this as in like this is something you have you invented like this is a thing people do i don't want to fucking like touch your sweaty body gross yeah well feels just kind of like a macho thing I mean, we would done it a few times when I was playing when I was playing Irish football and I they were I was always like I'm going to be fucking shirts. I will not do this. Wow. You refused to join in. I mean I I played but I didn't want to be fucking skins. Uh Did you watch the show Skins? Nope. Okay, that's fine. It's um, one of the kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. It was okay. I was busy watching cartoons, man. Mhm. I was watching Skins like an adult. Cool. Um, isn't and it now cool? when you tell people that they find it really cool, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny is somebody made this point on Twitter and, and we should probably say the name of the show. Hi, <laughs> welcome to Bonafide Tastemakers. <laughs> I'm Danny. I'm Grant. This, this is another, another episode, episode of the Kino, Kino Corral. Corral.
Um, he's chilling out. We got yeah. a new co-host. Is we got a we got a cat in the house now. Our roommate got a cat. Um, who's right now kind of in a chill mood, but yeah, he's doing like a slow blink. Earlier, he was he does this thing where he, we like we just got him like two days ago. Yeah, yeah, two or three. This might be day four. Maybe it is. I think this is day four okay. because day two was the party and yesterday was day three. Day four. Wouldn't <laughs> take these down. Um, uh, he's attacking my headphones. Um, he he does this thing where he doesn't really like sit in your lap. He just sort of climbs up you and like headbutts your chin. Yeah, or just kind of generally rolls around your general direction. Yeah. Um, I think but, he's just getting the scent everywhere, though, still. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. Oh, that I mean, sense. that's what immediately what I thought last night when I fed him. <laughs> and he jumped, he jumped in my lap, which I wasn't expecting. I was just sitting in my chair, and he jumped in my lap and shoved his way up. I mean, my shirt's covered in hair now. Uh, that was, I mean, that's what they do when they're rubbing their face on things and their whiskers, because that's like how they right. can smell and put the most of their scent on you, I that, believe. That does make sense. <laughs> He's like he's now he's just tantalized by my arm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to fucking have you attack me. Stop. Fuck off, dude. This is my arm. This is my couch. See, finally. Fuck you. Danny has someone that is going to antagonize him even more on no, the podcast cuz it's getting up. it's getting this into sucks. it's Fuck getting you, into dude. full contact uh I'm over here now. Fuck you. Harassment. Something I never lowered myself to. I don't believe <laughs> in 2 years of doing the podcast. Um uh, he's just eating his own tail. Well, that was a well. Hopefully, he doesn't have the twitchy cat thing. That was one of the the symptoms. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a symptom that we're gonna. His his tail is like hypermobile. It like twitches yeah. all the time, and uh, and that's like a that sometimes can be a symptom of like twitchy cat syndrome. Which yeah. they've said most of the time just comes usually from anxiety. Yeah, which I think is mostly but, what his deal is. I mean. That's the first time I've even seen him mess with his tail, so I don't. I don't but know. Okay, yeah, and I think it is probably because like there's a lot of time like when I came in this morning, he was just sleeping on you. He wasn't like freaking out then. Yeah, so he might just be like amped up. He might be like, I've never been on a podcast before. I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's all amped up. Um, uh, I, I mean, saying, I did give him a cup of coffee. No, I did. Coffee. I already did. Wait, what? I already gave him a cup of coffee. We went to you a, gave him a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah, you went to Blackheart we went, Coffee Company. We went to Winchell's. Oh, you went to Winchell's. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> they should do that. Though. That's funny. They need to do some Jared's uh, <clears throat> parody. Some keys. They'll sniff them. No, that's fine. You don't want them sniffing them, but you want them playing with them. No, I don't want them doing either. Really. So just, why did you even give them the option? Well, because I was already taking them out of my pocket. All right, all right. And then he started to like make a motion, and I was like, okay, I, okay. if he's gonna attack these things, I'd rather oh. them be over there. <laughs> See, he is gonna fuck with them. He's like, this is cool. This is, it's what's the Shenmue quote? Wow, this is cool. Something like that. I've got to find the guy who killed my dad. Isn't that what Shenmue is about? Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a very, there's a running joke in the, uh, in our friend group. It's like me and Bobby and mm-hmm. a couple of other, <clears throat> other friends. We once got in through uh, our friend Dylan <laughs> and he was friends somehow with like a MAGFest organizer and, Dylan, I think, texted him and was just like, can we have a panel? And the guy was like, well, you can't have your own panel because that space is too important. But if we have a panel, 
that already is considered kind of low rent, we can let you do an introduction to it. And I feel like I must have told this story before at some point. but <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I do think I recall this. Is when you guys crashed the panel? We didn't crash it. It was our panel, sort of. Okay. It, so basically... But there are other stories where you guys have crashed. Panels. Oh, I mean, totally. Uh, but <laughs> right. oh, are you talking about you talking about when uh, I was with the knuckles and knuckles and knuckles yeah, and knuckles yeah, panel yeah. and we crashed Anthony Birch's panel? Yes, that is what I'm recalling. Okay, no, this was the same year though. Um, we had a panel, or it wasn't even a panel. So what happened was <clears throat> Magfest has a thing called a screening room. Shout out to anybody who went to Magfest this past weekend. I didn't go this year, um, but I will be back. I will be back. Um, <clears throat> Anthony Birch, I will be back. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Give me your boots and <laughs> motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, something like that. Papa Birch, I will come for you. Uh, uh, Papa Birch is like the liquid Terminator. <laughs> oh, yes. That would be kind of awesome. You know what's funny is you said the liquid Terminator, like, yeah. and you mean T1000 or T10, T- whatever the, the lady, I didn't see that movie, so I don't know what he's called. Uh, but like the, what's his, the character actor number two? The T- yeah, yeah. I was thinking. Not Robert Patrick. Because that's the guy. No, I think it is. It is Robert Patrick. I think it is Robert Patrick. It's some guy with Patrick. But, I'm gonna look it up. <clears throat> uh, I was thinking that you meant he is like Liquid Snake to Solid Snake. Oh, I mean that he would be good liquid too. Term- that me and Papa Birch are infernal <laughs> look, twins. I'll be real. That seems like some shit Kojima would say in an interview. Like, actually, that's what I <laughs> named the characters after. I was inspired Terminator, by yeah. the one Solid and the one <laughs> Liquid Terminator. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Robert Patrick. The guy that I'm thinking of is the guy that's in Big Stone Gap over there on the... Oh. oh He's got another name like Robert Patrick, but it's yeah. not Robert Patrick. Um. Anyway, we were... So this is actually a movie thing. That MAGFest has a screening room where they will screen... It's Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, but I still wanted the, the listener to, to know. Uh, MAGFest has a screening room where they scream, scream, screen video games. Screen, scream? <laughs> Maybe they screen video game adjacent media. So like, for example, one year they did uh, the first segment of that Chris Chan documentary. Wow. Okay. Like when it was still like just kind of about Chris Chan before it was like all this other stuff came out. This was yeah. like 27. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was a huge deal before. Yeah. What is now probably the most before, important thing yes. that have ever happened involving Chris Chan. Um, <clears throat> and Chris Chan came to MAGFest, uh, was not a, hey, we invited Chris Chan, come speak on the panel. It was Chris Chan decided to come anyway, was not invited to the panel, but then showed up and the filmmakers were like, oh shit, you're here? Do you want to come and talk on the panel? Very bizarre experience. And then people were taking pictures with Chris Chan being like, wow, I finally got to meet my personal hero. And then of course, four years later, this has aged horribly. Yes, he's the world's villain. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that, but R.I.P. Christine Chandler. I don't think she's dead, but no. maybe <laughs> in the court of public opinion, possibly in the court of public opinion, possibly. Um, uh, but they also the so when the Xbox re-release of Shenmue came out, and this is a movie, so I, this is relevant. They cut a lot of the cutscenes uh-huh. uh, for Shenmue HD, and many of the fans are very mad about it. So a guy decided to take all of the cutscenes from Shenmue and re-edit it into a 90-minute movie and released it as Shenmue the Movie HD. Well, you know we will be doing an episode of Shenmue the Movie HD. So 
they screened it at like I don't know some. Can we get this guy on the podcast? Uh, probably. I don't. Do remember. we want to? Is he? <laughs> I would love to have him okay. on the podcast. I don't remember his name. And he, he wasn't there because that was the other thing. Is yeah. I think what originally happened, it was at weird some dead like weird dead time slot. Like it started at eleven p.m. Mm-hmm. and it was in the screening room. Which if you're at Magfest at eleven p.m., you're probably going to the rave or to, um, like the last big like the, the like closing night panel. Yeah. Um, or not closing night, the last panel of the night. But what year was this? Twenty seventeen or eighteen. Hmm. Um, who do we think that final panel in Magfest was? That year, it was. Oh. He might have it. He might have it in the, the steel trap that is the mind of McGill, which definitely should be something. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm thinking of Mind of Mencia. That's yeah, that's I could do my own Mind of Mencia, where, where I reenact Carlos Mencia bits. That sounds like me doing my the best hits of the mm. Blue Collar Comedy Tour oh, <laughs> special that I yeah. never did. Where I was just going to come that was, a good, that was a good idea. I, thought, I, I think I should still do it, but um, uh, we'll have to get a lead on a black box here. <sighs> What? There, I, I have a lead. I know. Well, we'll need to reach out to them. Um, Once we have a working relationship with them, then I will feel comfortable asking to do the blue collar comedy show because I got to get costumes. I got to be costumed for every single um, different person. So I think that, so it's weird because like there's like the big panel. I want to say that year was Freddie Wong was there that year. Okay. But I think his panel was earlier in the day because I went to it. Gotcha. And then Anthony Birch was there because mm-hmm. they had a panel together later on in the week. That was the one I invaded. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting the year right, I think that would have been maybe Ego Raptor. Wow. He was definitely there one year. So I think it might have been that year. Um, it's crazy. Game Grumps is still a thing. Yeah, this I mean, is it's not really crazy, but it's crazy to me. <clears throat> it's crazy. It's I sometimes think about like the fact that they have like employees. Like, oh yeah, not even in a, like a like a oh why do they need them? But just like in a, I I feel like there was this um there was this like lie told that was like no seriously <laughs> the greatest lie ever told. <laughs> well, there's this lie that like certain people in the game industry who came up around the time that like um you know uh like when big groups of gamers working in a company was the thing like if you worked at GameSpot mm-hmm. and it was like oh we're all on TV or like Giant Bomb and it's like we're all on video or X Play or whatever and it's like now everything the lie that is told is like oh now everything is like a single person you do it all yourself yeah, and that's you get a all- very YouTube kind of thing i feel like but i feel like that's even not though even... they credit people but they i feel like the way the content i guess sorry i don't want to completely interrupt no, you but fine. i feel like what you're saying is yeah like the way the content's presented is that this person is doing everything yes and, right, and it's sorry. like it's like single person on camera mm-hmm. but the the lie that is told is all of these guys from the old days go like oh well a company like ours could never exist now and it's like no they do <laughs> kind of funny is that like yeah. uh uh easy allies still does that uh you know, Giant Bomb, I guess, is still around, but they're owned by a big corporation, so it's a little different. But, mm-hmm. um, and then, but, and then, even when you think about like Game Grumps, it's like there's like four people that are on camera in like a rotating, it's like Danny and Aaron, yeah, all the time. And then occasionally they did like when Ross was still there, they'd do like Steam Train, yeah. Uh, and then <clears throat> Brian was on episodes sometimes, but 
And then Barry was on a bunch of episodes after being behind yeah, the after, scenes for so long. But the, but the like, oh well, we could never sustain this many people. It just wouldn't happen today. It's like no, they have like twenty employees. Yeah, like that is at totally this point possible. definitely. Yeah, <clears throat> it's totally possible. You just have to know how to run a company. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that. Look, part of the fun of the early days of YouTube was these people didn't know how to run a company, and yeah. that was it led to some really interesting things. But uh, it's totally possible to have a group channel or whatever but like it just yeah don't anyway um back to magfest the panel was that there was going to be shenmue the movie they were going to screen it and the guy who's a filmmaker couldn't come and so they were like do you guys want to do a live intro for shenmue the movie and my friend james i think dylan just agreed and then texted us and was like we have a panel now and then we didn't know what to do and we didn't plan it until I think like a couple of days before and mostly James deserves a credit for planning it. Uh, it was, he was going to do a trivia game show mm-hmm. about Shenmue and you win a signed copy of Shenmue but you don't. You win a picture of a signed copy of Shenmue. Okay. We printed out a picture of a signed copy of Shenmue from eBay and uh, we got there's like six people. There's as many people on the panel as there were in the audience. Because why is anybody here to watch all of the Shenmue cutscenes edited together? Yeah, when there's a rave <laughs> happening. Yes. Or you could just it's Magfest. There's a big arcade. You could yeah. you could go play Shenmue <laughs> if you wanted. You um, leave your friends behind. Yeah. Well, you can play Shenmue <laughs> if you want to. You could leave your friends behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't really have that. Uh. But anyway, so one of the moments in there was uh, we none of us had played Shenmue <laughs> at the time. And so we're trying to present a trivia game show about Shenmue without having ever played Shenmue. And <laughs> you after the pronunciations were all super and James gets up and he goes, I think it was the second question. He goes, who killed Shenmue's father? <laughs> and everybody in the panel looks at each other and they go. You know, Shenmue's not a character, right? His name is Ryu. <laughs> and we're like, oh, well, who killed that guy's father? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was that's anyway, the very long story where I recounted Magfest was just that was just that who killed somebody's father is now the the key for I haven't watched this thing. Gotcha. Who killed Phantom Racer's father? It's a very good question. We're all asking it. We're all just trying to find out who did this. This is a Kino Corral. Yeah. They should have called it Shin Movie. We talked about that. Okay. We in, didn't talk about that. No, no, no. In the panel. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say, don't make me we, feel completely insane right now. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all we all said why is it not called the Shen movie? Damn. So uh we also have sorry, I'm also watching AFC playoffs right now. Uh Miami coming back. Yeah, someone on Miami just hit the gritty. Somebody on Mike Gasicki. Gasicki hit the gritty. Yeah. It made me feel a little sicky. <sighs> Get sicky. Um, what movie do you want to start with for the keynote crowd? Well, should we talk about the ones we've seen together? Sure. Uh, so that would be for that just be decision to leave. No, we watched something else together. Um, um fuck. We... we went to um I'm not seeing anything else that we watched since the last keynote. 
This is a lot of Paul Schrader. Do we not watch something together in theaters? I mean, we had seen Ultra State and Porco Rosso before we recorded the last one. We recorded oh, did that we? the oh, day we after. Oh, we did. You're right. Yeah, I just checked to make sure oh, that I okay. was. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. Never mind then. I'm not guess repeating any stories no, about I, I lost my M in Vegas, the 3D movie <laughs> that you can watch in the m M&M store in Las Vegas. I watched a uh, camera of someone at the m M&M store watching That's a that movie. the other day. Uh, Bro, our life is like a movie. Bro, my Think life is like a movie. More specifically, I lost my M in Vegas. <laughs> Miami now got the two point conversion. It okay, seems. we don't need and that. We, they don't need that. They do not the need that. In the second quarter, they don't care. I care. They're here about the movies. Yeah, you care. Well, this is sort of like a movie. No, it's on TV. No, you can watch it later. I'm already against it. You just said it was on TV. This is not a, a movie. This is a TV show. A movie can be on TV. Yeah, but that Paul just Schrader very famously directed a TV movie. Yes, but I don't look at anything on TV Schrader and be like, "Is directing this fucking video, this game right now." <laughs> Well, they're not talking enough about... Uh, no, we muted it. Yeah. You have no idea. We have no idea what the narrate. Joe Buck could be on there right now being like, it's crazy. I've never felt a love like this. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> no, I don't look at a TV and the first thing that goes to my head is, hey, that's a movie. No, no it goes, that's not hey, what I'm saying. That's not the first show. thing in my head. I just said... Well, it's not a good justification. This is like a movie. It's not a justification. And there, you're there are upsetting ads. Leo the podcast cat. The podcast. Mm-hmm. What? I don't know if I like that. Well, you can come up with a better name on the next episode. <laughs> what about if somebody did a, a podcast about cats? Now, hear me out. And the theme song was a parody of Cat Dog, but it's Cat Pod. <laughs> yeah, see, that's good. <laughs> Thanks. That's I, was, good. I knew that was going was, was well, to. It was such a half hearted 50 ball. It was either Grant's going to love this or hate this. <laughs> well, the delivery was very much just like a half hearted crooner, <laughs> like at an Italian, like well, a really shitty. Cat dog. Oh, I know, I know. Cat but just, dog. I was just imagining like a half empty Italian restaurant. <laughs> You're just in there. Boom, cat, cat pod. pod. <laughs> <laughs> and then you track playing underneath you. Yeah, I, mean, I, I need a lonely piano player playing. <laughs> oh, you don't even have one. You have the cassette. You have a boom box and a cassette. Wow. Hey, they call me the cassette crooner. <laughs> That's awesome. But I'm also singing through the cassette, so it's very warbly. And yeah. It's like pitch fucked up uh okay yeah then i guess decision to lose all we got what are you checking now my mom's texting this man's looking at like five different screens this man's te- m- fucking this man this man <laughs> this man i call mom <laughs> this man I call mom. my mommy is worried because i'm flying out tomorrow um grant moves away from the mic to breathe <laughs> that's good uh yeah, let's talk decision to leave then. I guess if you haven't, <laughs> let's do it. Let's if you haven't watched decision to leave, you should watch it. Yeah, this is we're going. We get into spoilers on this on this bad boy pod that we do. Most pods we do. I don't know if there's a single podcast we do that is completely spoiler free. Yeah, probably not. All right, we're kind of spoiled. <laughs> <in that regard>. Our <laughs> fans are spoiled in that regard. Yeah. So so I guess going in to okay. Here's how I want to start this. Going in, what did you think the movie was going to be out of uh, five or ten or whatever? I don't go into movies thinking that. You don't, but I mean, just seeing, having seen that we were like watching the trailer, we watched the trailer together before Hunt. Did you have like a hype meter? Was there like a. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. I mean, I was pretty hyped. I'm hyped anytime this guy makes a movie because I liked Old Boy and uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think it's. 
everyone seems to usually get pretty buzzed whenever he's making a movie. Yeah. I remember when Stoker was coming out and that was his first English. His only English movie to this date, at least. Uh, I remember when uh, Handmaiden came out and was at the New Orleans Film Fest. And yep. I really wanted to go, but I didn't end up going. Still haven't seen it. Still haven't seen Stoker. Uh, still haven't seen the other Vengeance mm-hmm. movies. So I am pretty, aside from Old Boy, I don't really have expectations going in, but I liked the trailer. We saw it before we saw that movie Hunt. Yeah. Uh, directed by the star of Squid Game. Mm-hmm. And and this movie is directed by uh, Park Chan Wook. Yeah. I said that, didn't I? Or no? I, don't, I? I think you just said okay. you, the old boy, which I mean, yeah. so you could look at yeah, 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 Park Chan Wook. Uh, um, I was also very hyped. I thought just I I I was hyped, but I was only as hyped as I could be because like I don't know, it was a good trailer. Yeah, but I, I try not trailer. to let trailers even hype me up anymore because like I just end up. The one thing I look for in a trailer usually is what is the movie like visually, which is again part of the reason why Tar was so confusing because a lot of the stuff they showed in the trailer. You oh, know, yeah, like, I didn't even see a trailer for that. You I go like this it. looks like I mean it is like a psychological drama sort of, but it's more it looks the 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 tar trailer looks more like truly eerie than the movie ends up being. Mm-hmm. But definitely the first thing I thought when I saw decision to leave was like, Oh, Holy shit. Like this movie, uh, looks really cool. Like mm-hmm. just like visually fascinating. And I'd seen old boy a million years ago. I don't remember much about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has a very distinct visual style, but I mean, I think what you're specifically talking about when you're talking about this trailer is like it's very kinetic. I feel like yes. in a way that then you watch the movie and it's not that. Yeah, it's very different. Um, yeah. And but on top of that, also I think the the movie uh, I like just like shot choices. It has yeah. a lot of great shot. Choices. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, you could argue whether you're a fan or, or the opposite if the shot choices match the editing style. Sometimes it feels like they don't, in my mm-hmm. opinion, but in a vacuum the shot choices yeah phenomenal in this movie i agree and just watching the trailer i was really excited for that yeah uh also i mean great uh, uh color palette too mm-hmm. um i feel like we saw that trailer and then i was reading reviews of people who saw it at festivals and i kind of knew that it was i knew definitely not to expect it to just be like focusing i mean it was focused on the the murder aspect but it definitely was more about the relationship between the two lead characters. The cat is now attacking her. It, it's not attacking. It's just <laughs> slowly, <laughs> slowly scaling my body. <laughs> um, did you heard? Uh, had you heard like? Because I feel like <laughs> now he now he is attacking the cat. The cat is. I was not even saying lazy. He's a very lazy attack. The cat's wrapped his hand or his hands around Grant's leg and is just sort of kicking at him. Yeah, well, he's doing the back leg thing, but again, he doesn't really bring his claws out. So no, yeah, he's just kind of like batting at. Me. Yeah, just kind of like. But you know, it's weird to see somebody bat with their back leg. Yeah. Uh, and now he's just like sort of flipping himself. Yeah, well, um, that's cute. So I'm, I'm, I'll allow it. Uh. But as I was gonna say is because I feel like everything I had heard was what the we watched this at the New Beverly in thirty five millimeter, which I'm not going to say was the right way to see it because I I don't. And he just hates the New Beverly. That's not true. I think I again. Sorry, Danny like, hates the screen and the people that go to the New Beverly. I do. I do don't like. I don't like the screen. I I oh, he doesn't I, like the seats either. Well, neither of us. No, no one likes. Don't the even I don't think like anyone likes the seats in New Beverly. Um, they suck. I was just gonna say that. I feel like I had this rant on the podcast maybe was that I don't understand the point of getting a 35 millimeter print of a movie shot in digital, but 
I what that's their gimmick. Whatever. I don't care. It could be that Park Chan Wook one on one also, like you were saying that that was the case for the Multiverse of Madness one. It yeah. could be that I know they've got a 2019 movie screening later this month, so maybe it's just to keep it in the rotation of movies shown at the New Beverly. Sure. And I think and I think I, I get the the core of what you're saying though is that if you're not shooting on film, really you're not. It's like getting an album that was made for digital, getting it pressed yeah. on vinyl, and then it's just like, okay, cool. So now you just have it in a Which, different format. I mean, again, my thought being, if you want to have that thing, cool. That's your gimmick. I was just saying, again, it. it's not like I'm saying... It's not it, a selling point it for It wasn't Nana. a different experience. No, definitely not. So Most of the movies aren't super, super uh, different if you watch it. On yeah, film. it was mixed digitally. It was shot digitally. You know, what's the point? Is <laughs> This cat is... Going all over. <laughs> he just We're slid good. down. We're chilling. Um, I'm telling you, last night we had a breakthrough. Uh, but um, the we we watched it in 35 millimeter at uh at the New Beverly. The intro the guy gave was like, "This is the movie that everybody's talking about." <laughs> there is, there is, there is like you know, it's got the festival run. People love it. I think it'd be shortlisted not only for best foreign film for for best movie. So that was and like <laughs> I forgot the guy said that. And it's this thing is like so like what you're saying where you're like I read the reviews and people were saying it was good but not the best film ever made. I'll it's I- not not that that was that was not what they were saying. Okay. <laughs> I mean no one no one was saying that, but it was more that everyone was talking a lot more about the fact that it was it was about the relationship more than it was ever right. going to be about. Sure. feeling super satisfied or having it be like a crime. I mean, it is a crime. Movie. It I, is, to say it's not as it's a, a lot. I would say it's a mystery romance but or a crime romance. I'd or say the romance parts definitely outweigh it's the, the other. emotional core of the yeah, movie. Yeah, that, that outweighs, I feel like, the the kind of genre trappings of the whole thing. Um, but that was the, the thing being just that I had, I had only heard hype. Mm-hmm. Oh, was, I mean, for the most part, yes. I had only heard hype as well. I just, I don't know. Sometimes I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like I don't get hype for new movies. I never watched new movies for the most part. But when I, well, I mean, we'll get to for the rest of the Kingdom Crown. I don't think I watched. I watched like one other, maybe two other new movies. I watched one other one. Uh, you watched two, I think. Well, I, I get to them. I, I know I watched a few. So. Was Was Babylon in that list? Yes, and I actually was going to count Tar also. So I guess that oh, would yeah, make, yeah. that would make three. We, should, we can also talk about Tar a little bit because you hadn't yeah, seen it. Yeah, I hadn't um, seen it yet. But anyway, that was that was. I feel like in decision to leave. I should talk about the movie. Yeah, I feel like I was excited be, not only because I watched the trailer, not knowing anything, saw the trailer, was yeah. excited, and then heard everybody be like, "Also, this movie rocks." I was yeah. Like, oh, two for two, awesome. Um, I was, I was into it. I I like mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know. feel like a lot of the complaints I had in the car ride home made it seem like. Uh, I didn't like the movie. That was just classic on the way back from the movie theater. First thoughts. But I feel like I I still stand by all the things I said. I know. But it's just that it's it. Those were the things that kept like you from loving it. It's seven and a half from being a nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's things where sometimes I look at it and I go like, and it's always like this. It's the fog of war, right? Sometimes you I look at something and I go like. Oh, fucking this is an easy fix. You could do this right now. But of course I say that you know after the movie's been yeah, being it's made real for three armchair years. uh yeah. I can't remember the name. Armchair psychologist. Armchair quarterback? Um, yeah, something like that. Something but, like that. Um I mean I think you armchair psychologist also is I think you just armchair anything really. Armchair director. I see, I see. I see, I see. I'm an, I'm an, I'm an armchair post coordinator. 
<laughs> the guy watches the movie. He's like, I can't believe they sent this in H two six five. Jesus, that sucks. Anyway, <laughs> uh, oh man, you gotta uh, love some Kodak rapping jokes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I would say only on Bonafide Tastemakers. <laughs> just go, just because I'm assuming everybody who's listening has seen this movie. <laughs> Because if you're not, you should just stop and go see the movie. Yeah. Uh, it was too long. Just straight up out of the, out, out the gate too long. What? I just wanted to give it to you before I accidentally fiddled with it. I'm just oh. fiddling with things I'm nervously. I was, it was the TV it was remote with listeners. <laughs> Grant freaked out. He handed me the TV remote right as the Jackbox commercial came on. And I thought well, I thought you were telling me, unmute it. I got to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I just I touched it in the whole like HUD had come up, so I was oh. like, I should just... The whole interface came up, yeah. and I was like, I should just hand this over before I accidentally like get us <laughs> off this or unmuted accidentally or something. Um, Can we see him at the gritty again? No, probably no, not. the same one. I know, but I, okay, we are going to see him at the gritty again, oh, though. Hell yeah. <laughs> In slow motion this time. Um, decision to leave, to me, was unsatisfying in that I felt like... I wouldn't even say it was unsatisfying. It felt like I had hit a point of satisfying halfway through that movie. And then I was given too much. Mm-hmm. I was sort of force fed more. And then I didn't need to know. Uh, it's like it's like a song that had a natural like. And then they came back. And then they faded out. And it's mm-hmm. like, why would you do that? If you have an ending point, just end it. You don't need the yeah. extra 10 seconds on the end. Um. I feel like the midway, I guess it was, I, I looked it up. It's slightly after midway, I feel. Yeah. Like. It was like an hour and like 15 minutes or something mm-hmm. into the movie. That movie is like, we should just end here. <laughs> uh, I like the ending, but uh, I don't like it enough to, I don't know. I, I pretty much gave it the same rating as Danny. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, the, the part basically what I'm referring to is when, he finds out that she did kill her husband yeah. the first time around and uh, he like lets her go and then he moves away and then she ends up moving to the same city he moves to and then the whole thing happens again. Mm-hmm. The What I referred to it, what I referred to it as is if you've ever watched a lot of classic movies, there's a film called The Thin Man and then there's yeah. a film called After the Thin Man where the thin man was a very tightly like written mystery thing. And then you watch the second one and they're like, Oh, the first one was such a success. How do we put these characters in a situation where there's a second crime? Um, and it kind of is, I mean, I don't know if glass onion is the same way, but this is the perspective I got from glass onion too, which is like, I mean, people seem to like glass onion. Again, yeah. I haven't watched it. I also have not watched the first one knives out. Um, but it is like a what is what is the contrived scenario we can come up with to get this guy in the same situation twice? I'm that's not what no. I okay. think that's a misreading of the movie, if the, in my opinion at least. Okay, because he's fair. not even really the lead of the first one. This is the first one where he's really the lead. Anna Armas is the lead of the Knives Out, in my opinion. The who? Anna Armas. Oh, and I thought you said Fred Armisen. I was like, oh, pff, that would be nice. I was like, no, he's in that movie. No, no, Fred Armisen. Uh, I don't. 
I was gonna say it would be interesting to see him in one of those, and I'm like, actually, kind of no, fun. it wouldn't. I don't. I kind of want to see him. I don't know. Not really. Um, <laughs> I thought of that, and I determined I don't think I actually do. But I, if he showed up one, I wouldn't turn my nose up at it. I just there's probably other, ex- other SNL people. alums I'd rather see. And yeah, that's fair. Uh, well, we'll talk about it actually when we get when I get to it. Okay. Um, just, guys, keep keep that in your mind. X SNL alums. X SNL alums. Uh, I'm gonna be Chris circling Kattan. back around to that one. Chris Kattan is alive. <laughs> Chris Kattan wow. is alive. We should let the podcast <laughs> listeners know that Chris Kattan is indeed alive. Wow. And he's pretty bitter about SNL still. If you've read anything about his stand-up shows in the past couple of yeah. years, yeah. Uh, he's great in Monkey Bone. Oh, he's great in Monkey Bone. I haven't seen this movie, but he's sure in the last great. thirty minutes and he kind of owns me. it, man. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that decision to leave had a natural endpoint, and then they gave me more, and then the their second half felt like again when we got there, it was fine. Everybody did a great job. Acting mm. was still great. It still looked beautiful. You know, I thought the pacing was still too slow for me, but the whole movie was like that. Yeah, but the second half wasn't markedly worse than the first half on a like minute by minute basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, the whole thing felt contrived. I was like, this is a perfect movie if you just stopped like forty five minutes earlier. It reminded me of uh, a lot of Wong Kar Wai movies. I feel like I'm curious if you'll feel that way when you watch them. I feel like they kind of do a similar thing. But the thing about at least the earlier ones is that like they're a lot tighter. <laughs> like they aren't. They're mm. all like 90 minutes for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Loves my voice. He, he can't get enough. Uh, I think some of the later ones fall more into the like <laughs> we have reached an end point, and then there is like a full 30 minutes afterwards yeah. that I still like. But I also. I was more just like when I'm watching them for the first time, I'm like, oh, that's a crazy ending. And then I realized there is 30 more minutes left. And I still like the last 30 minutes. It's not like they negatively impacted how I felt about any of the movies. But I'd be curious how you feel about it whenever you get to it. Because I don't know. If, I don't know. And, and I do I'm feel curious, like. I'm curious what you think. I, I get. I am annoyed by not just Decision to Leaves ending, which is like. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed by that genre of endings, it, which yeah. is the blue ball. You know, it's like he found her, but he just doesn't know that she's right there. He's like literally standing over her body being like, where is she? Mm -hmm. Oh, where is she? And it's like (laughs) he turns into Shaggy. It wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't him. That's what she's saying, actually. Well, (laughs) Uh, but and 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 I'm in the sea and people are like, well, yeah, well, how was he supposed to know that she's there? And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, he's not supposed to know that he's there, but also Korea has how many like fucking thousands of miles of coastline and he somehow perfectly stands right over her body to be like, I mean, I know, but that's the point. <laughs> I know it's the point. I and my point has always been that I think that's a silly point. Like, I mean, that's fair. It's just I don't know. To then like bring the logic into it. It clearly was only there for a narrative point. It wasn't there for any logical point. Right. But I think if you can't back up a narrative point with the logic of your own world, then why are you doing it? But you're putting the logic of real world into that movie. What is maybe it makes sense for him to be going to that exact beach. I guess, but I'm saying what is, is this not, does this film not take place in the real world? I mean, yeah, but it's just, I don't know, man. I just feel like when people start bringing in, well, this is when it says it wouldn't happen like that in the real world. I just kind of roll. That's a criticism. I just constantly roll my eyes. I'm not saying that, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. No, no, we no, had I don't this think Because okay. uh, my point isn't that like, oh, this wouldn't happen in the real world. It's at no other point in the film have we been given a situation where 
it's backed up purely by the narrative logic of its own film working in sort of a magical, mysterious way. Mm-hmm. To do it in the last 40 seconds feels like you have just fucking kind of spit in the face of this very real impactful story you've set up that could all happen in the real world. I'm not saying, Mm -hmm. oh, it has to be real. I'm saying this film is functioned and built itself on sort of the idea of everything is being very grounded here. And then in the last little bit, it's like, but magically he's standing over her body and that's a metaphor. I guess I just never really looked at that movie and was like, this is so grounded. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. And I also is the end of the movie. So I will buy, I personally at least will buy a flight of fancy weird. I can't really back this up, but the filmmakers is going to do something that's a flourish here at the end. Yeah. I'll, I, I, that doesn't bother me. I get why you're bothered with it. I do get why you're bothered with it. And maybe I didn't necessarily do the best job. Maybe I was painting a little general with, with my, my, my rebuttal on it. But sure. Ultimately, these things just normally don't bother me. Again, I don't have, I don't feel strong. <laughs> that's strongly about it because like, that's just a matter of opinion between me and you, I think. And, and it, what, again, it doesn't really affect how I feel about the movie overall because right. we basically gave it the exact same but, score. But again, I was saying more that in general, the the thing that bothers Actually, me is... I probably give it a lower score because I give it three stars out of five. Yeah, then I give it three and a half. I think... Because I really love the first half. It's so mm-hmm. good. But I think the thing about also is I just in general... And I know that there's like purpose to it sometimes, but I really get annoyed by yeah, like blue ball endings where it's like, oh, at the very end... Now, though, here's my question, though. When yeah. you actually noticed you said that earlier, you've talked to me about liking Stalker before. Do you still feel that way about Stalker? Because that is like the ultimate blue balls. And you watch three hours of these guys trying to get to this fucking stupid answer. Sorry, spoilers for Stalker. They get to <laughs> it and then no one fucking goes in and then you're just back at the, the house. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. In my you, opinion, you know, I'd have to watch that movie again. That to- was truly like the most angry i've been at an ending like that but typically endings like that don't super bother me i feel like i think i was also more annoyed because i had just seen solaris and solaris is pretty pretty long nearly as long as stalker but at least like there is a very satisfying ending to that movie in my opinion if if i'm remembering stalker correctly it's they all choose not to go in though yeah that's different because okay so at the end of decision to leave what is his goal his goal is to find her where is he? He's at the beach. Right next to her. And he can't do it. Yeah. And that is the blue ball. If we get to the thing. At but the, I was thinking the decision. She made the decision. She made the decision. She's the one. I think that's the whole thing. Though, is that she was the one making the decision the whole time. I don't think it was necessarily even. Right. And that's fine. She's the character maybe with the arc. I I'm guess. just saying that if her decision is so effective then why would you put him so close in arms, literally in arm's reach, and then not give just, the audience the satisfaction? Just some sad boy shit. But it, yeah, I'm just saying that the blue ball is not because it's stalker. It's you know what we've all decided this is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. The character growth over the film leads them to look at each other and go, "We shouldn't do this." So it's not a blue ball. They're they are making a decision to say, "I don't want this thing." When a character gets to the thing wants the thing, can have the thing, and then the filmmaker just goes, but he doesn't get it. But I think that thing is the the whole point is that one character got to make the decision they make, and then the other one is... And that's fine, but when she made that decision, she wasn't... To leave? To clarify? The decision to leave. (laughs) When she made the decision to leave, she wasn't three feet from him. Mm -hmm. She made the decision to leave, and then he got back to her already again, Mm -hmm. and then didn't didn't get her still. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I get what you're saying. 
I feel yeah. like that's, that happens in real life sometimes. And this is just a more artsy way of portraying that in like the most like yeah i mean uh, i just think that i that, agree that it's frustrating but i think that was by design i don't think it was made in a way that sure. this is supposed to be like oh no 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 no! i agree it's by design yeah. i don't like that design i yeah, think that okay, when you make something that i would say is maximalistically frustrating it's for me as a viewer not an enjoyable thing mm-hmm. it's you can I feel like make the same point without cranking it up to 11 on just how much everybody is screaming at the screen going, she's right there, dude, she's right there. Literally, you could see she's like her, her fucking the little divot is still there. Like, I think you can make that point with him when he was on the other beach, when he was next to her car. I think that and like, yes, I understand it's like, well, it's a metaphor that he's like, He's like close, but he could never really have her. I don't think we need that metaphor two hours and 20 minutes into a movie where we've clearly already got that message. And then you just get him screaming, walking around her going, where are you? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> check it out. It's if you want to check it out, it gives you a lot to think about. Uh, watch it with someone else. You can have a really good discussion afterwards. Yeah, or you, uh, and and much like you are, and this is probably or it could be like me and Daniel. You never reach a very satisfying conclusion. I was going to say, I was going to say that it is that uh, that is also this podcast is somebody screaming. So Danny made a decision to grieve, screaming at this podcast, going, "You don't get it! You don't get it! Come on, how are you so close to getting it? And you don't get it." <laughs> and why does Grace just not even care? It's kind of a meta narrative. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just like him. He's just like me. Um, Maybe that's why you were frustrated by it. He's just like you. For real. Yeah, he's just like me for real. My girlfriend's a criminal. <laughs> My wife, on the other hand. Oh, also, his wife in that movie. Hotter oh, yeah. than the girl that he was... That he was... Like, she's not as, like, mysterious. But, man, his wife's so pretty. They're both very pretty. I don't... This is, this is very... And she wants this him is to a stop, sticking point. She wants him to stop smoking. Nothing hotter than health. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. Where's my chocolate? I wanted to eat that. All right. Well, that's the one movie Danny and I saw since in a month, basically, besides excluding Kino Corral films. Right. Um, We could talk about Tar if you want to do another one. Unless there's one you want to do first that you watched alone. Well, let me just circle back around real quick to the ex SNL alum. I uh, went and saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure yesterday. Oh yeah, at the New Beverly. I don't know if you knew this because I had kind of forgotten. But Phil Hartman's the top credited writer on that movie. I did not know that it's he wrote that. Phil Hartman, uh, Paul Rubens, and then there's a third guy that I'm blanking on. But Phil yeah. Hartman's the main credited writer. Uh, first Danny Elfman, Tim Burton collab. It kind of just sounds like Danny Elfman's doing like riffs on other composers, but it doesn't really matter because it's still really fun. Uh, that movie's just awesome, man. I don't know. I watched that movie when I was a kid. I remember being scared of all the clown stuff. Uh, watching it again as an adult. I totally get why I was scared of all the clown stuff. It's <laughs> horrifyingly shot by Tim Burton. They're yeah. like in a black void. <laughs> Just like there's surgeons that are doctors. And they all have creepy smiling faces. It's it's good stuff. It's very affecting things. Very similar to me also being scared of the clown in The Brave Little Toaster. Another movie I watched as a kid a mm. lot. Great uh, Little Toaster does have some stuff that's 
Yeah, the part with the clown is terrifying. Yeah. The well, whole this is a depressing movie. Depressing what movie. Is it? Yeah, just just like also yeah the emotional stuff. Depressing movie to watch as a kid. Uh, upsetting. Maybe not depressing, but upsetting to watch as a child. Yes. Uh, Peace of Big Adventure is awesome. If you haven't seen Peace of Big Adventure, check it out. It's really, it's just really good. It's a lot of fun. I particularly felt pretty inspired by it, even because it wasn't like the flashiest, craziest movie of all time. There's definitely a lot of Tim Burton flourishes in it, but uh, I don't know, man. It just, it's a movie that like almost entire, it's just a performance of a very realized character at that point. Mm -hmm. And it is just almost a series of sketches, but it doesn't ever, I don't feel like it ever really drags. I feel like it just keeps moving. And each scene is really, really funny. Uh, Did Burton and Rubens ever do anything together after that? (sighs) I want to say Rubens is in one other. Miami uh, is taking the lead off a defensive, or I guess actually it was a special teams play. (laughs) Yawn. Looks like they touched. They touched and dropped a punt. Uh, or no, it might be a fumble. Anyway, that was a fumble. So Paul Rubens is in Nightmare Before Christmas. No, really? He, I mean, that's technically not a Tim Burton movie. Well, I was just curious, but I, I think that's the only other time that they did work together, though it seems like. Hmm. Uh, which is kind of a shame because I felt like they were a pretty good fit for one another, but in a way... I mean, and I have to double check. I don't know what, exactly what year Pee-wee's Playhouse came out. I'm pretty sure it came out after the movie mm-hmm. because it's just so much crazier than the movie that I can't yeah. imagine they would like walk it back to do the movie like this. Uh, but I mean, at that point, I guess he had the TV show. They didn't really do another movie for until the mid '90s, and that's mm-hmm. already a mid '80s movie. Uh. What was the Tim Burton did Batman pretty quickly after yeah. everything, so he just kind of blew up to a degree that I'm sure. Well, he I know wasn't. that he probably wasn't yet directing episodes of Playhouse, but no. I, I was more just wondering if, like, yeah, something like that, where it was. Like it's a shame he didn't get to do. Paul the Rubens to, didn't come into anything that. Uh, I was checking because I was like, maybe was Mars Attacks or something weird, but right. no, I'm not seeing him in anything else. But he doesn't okay. have like the longest uh, filmography necessarily. Also. Did you know he was in Steven Soderbergh's Mosaic? <laughs> no. I didn't either, but apparently he is. That is funny. Is he like a... I mean, I guess neither of us have watched Mosaic. Yeah, he's not crazy high up, but... Okay. uh hmm. Gonna have to check that out, man. I've yeah. been meaning to... That's one of the few Soderberghs I'm... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm without him. all of his TV stuff, I guess, for the most part. Yeah. I need... I was just recently got the Nick recommended to me on... Oh, yeah. HBO. I still gotta watch that. But... Anyway. What a freak, man. He's awesome. I love him. I love a little freak. Uh, but Pee Wee's good. Oh, Pee Wee's amazing. Oh, so yes. Yeah, back to a little freak. <clears throat> Pee Wee's awesome. <laughs> back to a little freak. Uh, it's just so good, man. I don't know. It's I could sit here and try and list off, try to list my favorite jokes. That wouldn't do it any justice. So you really should just go and see it. Uh, it has a surprising amount of pedigree behind it. I don't know, man. It's just this. It's ninety minutes too, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I just don't. It's kind of. I was about to put this in my letterbox review, but I didn't because it doesn't really make any much sense, and it probably isn't my platonic ideal for a movie. But I wanted to say it was my platonic <laughs> ideal for a movie, but it's my romantic ideal for a movie. <laughs> yes, I I could definitely see how someone could see this movie and make a very bad version of it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just very special that it all ended up lining up perfectly, and like Pee-wee's I don't find him a character that you get annoyed by. I find him just a very, very funny character. I don't know. I just think 
that movie is firing all cylinders. Everyone's very hungry too because they're all very young people. What what was the? I mean, you know more about Pee Wee than me. I didn't watch a lot of Pee Wee growing up. Mm-hmm. What was the first? I mean, Playhouse is after Big Adventure. I'm gonna double check on that, but I think so. But then, what is uh? What was the starting thing for Pee Wee? That well, he would do it as a live thing. It was like a live character oh. he did, and then he did it for so long. Then they got to make the movie. So that he was he was doing the movie straight from the live show. I believe for some reason so. I was thinking he had like a thing, like a, like a like a kids show. I mean that's Pee Wee's Playhouse, but, but I, think, I, th- I thought he had. I, for some reason, I thought he had like one before that. But I mean, I'm again, I'm probably wrong. All right, now hold on. Pee Wee's Playhouse, 1986. All right, okay, okay. There was a stage show, and there was the Pee Wee Herman show. That was it. Okay. Well, that that's the stage show, but then they did a HBO taped one of it, and it was a special on HBO. It was special. Yeah. Okay, there we go. So then Pee Wee's Big Adventure was 1985. Then Pee Wee's Playhouse was 1986. Okay, so they then, did a special and then they did the yes. thing. Okay. And then Big Top Pee Wee came out. Oh, now I just kind of feel dumb because I'm on the Wikipedia page and it's describing it as a parody of Bicycle Thieves and it kind of is a parody of Bicycle Thieves. The whole movie's about him trying to get his bike no, back. No, I mean, that <laughs> yeah. is that I've, I'm aware. That's pretty funny. I don't think I, my dumb ass put is that Is that like together. something somebody believes or is that like something they've said? Uh, it is cited twice on the Wikipedia page. That's fucking so hilarious. I, uh, okay, and I was very wrong. Big Top Pee Wee came out in 1988. It didn't come out in the 90s. So okay. it came out in the run of uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, but it did not do super well, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm pretty sure it bombed. Yeah, like lost $5 million. Ooh. Or was $5 million under budget. Sorry, Paul. Sorry, Paul. Who directed that one, though? Randall Kleiser. Oh, who did Grease. The guy who did Grease did the Pee Wee follow Really? Yeah. Huh. wonder if he's done anything else that I've seen. That's so old, too. No. Like, oh, he did Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Hmm. <laughs> Mr. Kleiser? I think it's Honey. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. He did Flight of the Navigator as well. The 80s kids movie. Okay. I haven't seen that. Or really... And I kind of heard it. It's about a kid who sh- like disappears and then he shows back up, but he's the same age. So they're oh, trying to figure yeah. out like what happened when he was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Grease, his first directed movie. Hmm. Kind of nuts. It's so much older. It's funny because yeah, Tim Burton by that time is like still pretty young. I mean, Grease is 78. That's like five years before Grease. Is Grease uh, that late? I thought it was yeah. like home. I first reason I always picture as an early 70s movie. Oh. It huh. was in that uh, like happy days. Everyone were getting the full revival of the the fifties, sixties stuff. Okay, I for some, yeah, I don't know why I always think it's like seventy two. I for some reason, I, I for some reason I always think it kicked off that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, whatever, whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't fucking know anything about movies. <sighs> Man, I barely know anything. Oh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday came out in twenty sixteen. Uh, I remember thinking that was fun. I liked. I it. I didn't really watch that, so I, I'm not it's, a Pee Wee guy. You should check out Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I think. I, 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 I mean, I, I think I've like watched some of Pee Wee's Playhouse. I think it's funny. Uh, yeah, Playhouse is fine. I don't know. I never grew up really watching Playhouse. To be honest, I would really am just a Pee Wee's Big Adventure guy. Okay. Because uh, Playhouse is fine, but like it really is so much different than the movie is. And I feel like most people I know it loses a lot more- of its Bertonian aspects. <laughs> Bertonian aspects. <laughs> That's awesome. The, uh, yeah, the Bertonian aesthetic <laughs> is strong in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And I mean, what I was actually going to say was worse. I was like, that show's a little silly. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, like, this is just, this was a VHS classic for me. We didn't have, I mean, I could be wrong. Eight, 
it might have been an HBO show, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, we didn't have HBO growing up, so like I Same. didn't even really know. I didn't have much of an awareness about Pee Wee's Playhouse until the home I was box older. Office. The old home box office. It's not TV. Yep, it's HBO. Uh, okay. Yeah, Pee Wee's. But yeah, Pee Wee's. Look, five star movie in my opinion. All right. Perfect. Perfect film. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love it. I don't know. Mileage may vary, but uh, if if you listen to this podcast and find yourself aligned with the things that I say, you should check it out. You'll you'll be a fan. Um, we'll, we'll, we're also this is a great keynote for me because I'm going to get to talk about several of my favorite movies of all time. Hell yeah! I'm going to talk about a new holiday favorite. All right, let's hear it. Violent Night. Okay, with with friend of the show David Harbor. <laughs> also, uh, uh, friend of the show Hellboy. Also, friend of the show John Leguizamo. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have him on the pest himself. Yes. Oh, it's you know it's funny whenever I if I can never if for some reason because he looks like Michael Pena. They like have similar faces. Danny, uh, they're <laughs> Danny. I don't think they're both Mexican though. Are they? I believe he's like was I'm a Mexican. I thought no, he was like I think he's Puerto Rican. I was gonna say I think he's Puerto Rican or for but some reason. Uh, uh, well, also because no, because here's why I always think this. Because he's in the Mario movie, I'm always yeah. like, "It's not like I'm Italian." No, he's not. But that was—that's <laughs> the thing about him. He's, he loves to talk about it, is that that was so progressive for them to not hire an Italian person. Uh, but whenever I can never remember, uh, John he's from Colombia, Colombian. Okay, whenever I can't remember John Leguizamo's name, there's a line from a very old internet rap group called Dwayne and Brando that would rap over video game beats, and there's just a line from one of them where he's—it's comp- he's in the character of Luigi complaining about the Mario movie and he says you're trying to make me look like John Leguizamo and so if I if I can see his face I can't remember his name but I repeat that line in my head I go All right, John Leguizamo so anyway that was a cool roundabout John Leguizamo is in the movie he's the bad guy <laughs> great film oh, man. look this movie rocks you're not you got to talk about your experience in the theater <laughs> so I went and saw this you at- know what? sorry I had he didn't interrupt again because it's my thing really I had a dream either last night or the night before that something that happened in your viewing experience happened to me because I was at the movie theaters in a dream. So I would uh, love. Oh, just that the lights turned on. Yeah, the lights came on and everyone complained about it. We're like, what the fuck is happening right now? Okay, so, so, but the funny part is we keep doing this and then you keep going. We got to talk about this theater, but we can't say what it is. No. Well, now we can't because I was going to just say that we went to a new theater. <laughs> Now, now they know it's the theater that I was. Well, I want to keep. I want to start build. I want to keep building the mythology of this theater. Well, that's fine. But now you can't say the name. We I can't. Just, we can't say the name. Then we, when the day we move out, the big reveal. The our our neighborhood theater. We'll reveal our local theater. Our local theater. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it's like awesome. It, it's perfect because they would never find us in this theater. Regardless, no. It, you could tell. You could. You could literally. You could still. You could stand at the theater and sort of point. To the direction we live you could still not figure out which one we live in but, yeah but um but our, our local theater um what are you doing we're not doing this no you know i get to attack my arms i'm scratching my leg um we we have a theater i'm sorry i'll stay on my side of the couch from now on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's the podcast the podcast our local leo our local theater um, is sort of like the last theater I feel like stuck in the mid two thousands. Yes, uh, and I love it for that. Well, they have a Gunblade arcade machine. <laughs> I saw that over there, and I was like, I want to come over here and just play Gunblade for a little bit. 
we got to do that. We got to. We haven't been together yet. No, <laughs> we haven't been together. We've it's only been, been on separate. Two, you need to. Okay. Hey, Leo, Leo, chill the fuck out. Stop that. Hey, Leo. You can't take my phone from me. Leo. What I'm saying, this cat needs to fucking relax. And then he <laughs> just leans, he like attacks your arm, and then he leans against you. He's like, Well, I'll wait for him to move, and then oh, cool. I'll reclaim my phone from him. Was he on I, top of your phone? Yes, that was the whole reason why I was moving was just to get my phone. Um, the uh, the local theater is um, <laughs> he's like keeps almost moving off of it. Uh, but the local theater is like the last theater stuck in the two thousands. Um, reminds me a lot of the theater I used to work at Hollywood yeah. theaters and God, you fucking wiener. You might just want to fucking stand up. Stand up. The cat is like just having a fucking fit. Uh, I smell terrible, right? Now. I need to take a shower so badly. Um, <laughs> the Pod- cat, podcast listeners need to know that the cat got its wish. It's now removed Grant from the corner. Something I've only dreamed of doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the theater is just one of those theaters where like. I feel like mishaps just happen all the time. Yeah. And so uh, when I was there, I went to go see Violent Night and the um, first thing happens is the movie starts late, which is like whatever that happens occasionally. And then like 30 minutes in the movie, the lights turn on, like all the house lights turn on and I walk out and I'm like, oh, maybe because I was the only person in the theater. Yeah. It's the only person at the screening. And I walk out to the cashier. I'm thinking like, oh, maybe they just turned the lights on because I thought nobody was in there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, hey, the house lights came on in my movie. My movie, and there's like five other people there. I'm like, no, it just did it ours too. And they came in, tried automated to turn, theaters, man. Tried to turn the house lights off and couldn't. They like hit the off button and they just come back on. And I hit the <laughs> off button, they come back on. Then she's, uh, yeah, we'll have somebody fix this in a second. Uh, I gotta find somebody who knows how to do this. Yes, it was Morty working there. It, w- well, it was a woman, Morticia. Morticia. It's more Morticia. 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 Morticia Adams. I like Morticia, man. Um, uh, I went to middle school with Morticia. Hey. Um, we can't We can't reference Morty anymore, unfortunately. Oh. R.I.P. R.I.P. Justin Roiland was shot dead. <laughs> Justin Roiland was shot dead in Houston. He was in Houston. <laughs> I don't know why he was there. He shouldn't have been there. There's a very vocal <laughs> throng of anti-Rick and Morty. They, they brought him out to the middle of the Astrodome. Ritualistically <laughs> <laughs> fucking assassinated him. Would love to. <laughs> I probably actually shouldn't say that on the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. Roiland gunned down <laughs> in Astrodome. Justin just dead. Uh, oh, it should say Justin. This Justin. Justin. This Justin. Royland shot dead. Royland just in the morgue. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, he was watching Violent Night. I was watching Violent Night. And then also at the very like, at one point, you're playing a dangerous game by putting your wow. hand over there again. Well, that was the mic. Um, At one point, two women come in and just start talking in like the bro behind me and then leave after like five minutes. And then at the very end of the movie, a guy who it seems to be homeless comes in because I didn't realize it at first. 
but he he comes in and he just starts talking at the screen. And I was like, whatever. I mean, it's <laughs> I was alone in there, and it was a movie where he was like, he was just kind of reacting to things on screen. So yeah. if you haven't seen Violent Night. Santa kills bad guys. Yeah. And so Santa would like kill a bad guy. He'd be like, yeah. All right. Yeah. And then he would clap like a couple times and then he would stop. Mm-hmm. And they kept doing this thing where he just like would put his fist up at the screen, like that famous photo of the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> he'd kind of just do that for a second. Like, yeah. And then he'd put it back down. Yeah. And we made the last 30 minutes really fun. Yeah. Because the lights came up and it was me. Well, and <laughs> this guy stands up. Out of smelled his, terrible. This guy stands up out of the seat at the at the end of the movie. He has like six grocery bags. And I was like, oh, this guy. Yeah, I just hit Trader Joe's. <laughs> uh, and that was Joe himself. That was Joe himself. Um, <laughs> well, never mind. I don't want to. I don't want to blow the really funny joke I have in my back pocket for that. But wow. Um, but guys, no. you heard it here. Danny's withholding from the pot. Look, everything has a venue. Do you do you really want my political takes on here? No. There we go. <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, Don't look at me like that. Talking about, talking about me, not the cat. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at both him and the cat, and I addressed it to both of you guys. I Don't split, look at me. <laughs> like a chameleon, I split the difference with my eyes, <laughs> and I said, "Don't look at me like." That. What's the like the like the Steve Buscemi poster for Parting Glances? <laughs> yeah, or the just Steve Buscemi's character and the Big Daddy. Oh, yeah, the, got the crazy daddy. eyes. Um. But anyway, it's a anyway. it's a violent night. The actual film, though, great movie. Yeah, it's had a good time. It's a lot of people are like, yo, Die Hard is like awesome. It's I, like can't a Christmas put, movie. I can't believe you're putting this one. To, it's a, to a record right here. It's a Christmas movie, but shit blows up and they kill dudes. Violent night might be the new Die Hard of Christmas movies. It's that is not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not saying it, it will like in the popular. If you ask me, would I rather watch Die Hard every Christmas or watch Violent Night every Christmas? I may be picking Violent Night. I, I, I didn't see the movie, so I can't wait. I will definitely. If we ever, I can't. I'm, I, I'm not gonna say that you're wrong, but I can't imagine I'm going to walk out of any viewing of Violent Night feeling like I like that more than Die Hard. But I like Die Hard a lot. I think it's one of those things where if we like had a Christmas party. And we do this at our parties where we put up a projector and sort of have a movie going ambiently. I think I would put on Violent Night over. I would put. Yeah, sorry. I, that's <laughs> not a venue I would ever screen Die Hard at. You, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I wouldn't. I'm talking just at least about me. All right. Well, I also would never screen Violent Night at one of these either. I think Violent Night kicks ass. And I think maybe it's because it's fresh. But damn, I really fucking like that movie. I know you came back. You were enthused. It's it's look. I mean, also, I think technological advances get it a little bit further than when you're dealing with like crazy, like fight sequences and stuff like some Die Hard actually looks really good for being as old as it is. That movie doesn't have a ton of those either. It's mostly him just talking to the dad from (laughs) Family Matters down on the ground. That's why like that movie is so much for me, at least dependent on the dialogue working. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to screen that without any dialogue because you're I missing like, like the, half the movie. The later diehards, it definitely gets. I didn't more even see the later. I've only seen the first. Oh, Grant, you gotta watch now, Die Hard. You gotta watch Die Hard with Avengers. I want to see that one really badly. Oh, actually, sorry, that's not true. I've seen Die Hard two, and I don't like Die Hard two very much. Okay, uh, but I really want to see Die Hard with Avengers. Die- I actually, in high school, did some project where I made a Die Hard board game, and it was around when A Good Day to Die Hard came out. Uh, 
I I think the name of it was it's never a bad day to die hard or something ridiculous. I like don't that. think I ever watched a good day to die hard. I did watch Live Free Die Hard with, with Timothy Olyphant as the bad guy. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's true. I, I haven't seen it. That movie has some fun ass stunts. I heard that movie's really fun. It just should have been R though. Yeah, it should have. That's been what R. most people I feel like who walked out. There's of a part where he uh, he flies a taxi into a helicopter. Yeah, sounds awesome. It's, it's sick. I think it's an act. I think it's taxi. It's definitely a car. They definitely it, just going from Die Hard to Die Hard Two. I know that they ramped it up, but I don't think that necessarily. Maybe made for a movie. great movie. The ending's cool, though. It's the one where he blows up the yeah. plane at the end, like on the runway with the trail of gas or whatever. No, I mean, like, look, I think that those movies get less intelligent with each movie. Yeah. But I don't, and again, also, I just want to make clear, I don't think that hard is the most intelligent no, movie. No, no, no. Just, I'm not saying you have to think yeah, it's most, yeah. but it definitely gets less. I mean, it's, it's like every movie. It's like the first one, you spend like nine years crafting it because it needs like mm-hmm. to pass the threshold to get made. And then the next movie, you find out what people liked about it, and then you have to crank that out in like two years. All right. Well, I'm blanking now, but I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure all the diehards started as like sequels to other movies. I think the first one was a sequel to Lethal Weapon, if I'm not completely misremembering things. It's either that or... No, it has to be that, because Die Hard came out after Lethal Weapon. No, I mean, that, that's true, for sure. I'm pretty sure... I, I did, I'm, did I'm a double Die Hard script start as a sequel to Lethal Weapon? I'm pretty I don't sure. I think so. Danny, I'm pretty sure. Okay. It's that or it's one of the Lethal Weapon sequels started as a Die Hard That I would script. believe. But I'm going to double check. It might be Die Hard with a Vengeance was a Lethal Weapon script. That but that's I could, very that, weird also. That I could believe. But um, anyway, actually talking about Violent Night. Uh, that movie is dumb fun. Um, David Harbour is awesome as Santa. It's got awesome kills. Uh John Leguizamo plays just he just he plays a villain who is ideologically opposed to Christmas, which is fucking hilarious. Like he just starts out being like, my dad always said he was going to get his Christmas gifts and he didn't. And now I hate Santa. And it wasn't even like he plans to fight Santa in this movie. Santa just kind of shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once Leguizamo finds out he's fighting real Santa, which he does, he, it's not like the whole, like part of the time he's like, this isn't Santa. This is just a ex guy, like ex Marine or something who's dressed up as Santa. And by the end of the movie, he knows it's really Santa and he's still like, I am going to kill Santa. This makes it even better. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there, the relationship with, um, the little girl in that movie is really good. She's a solid child actor. Um, and then also there's like this kind of like yeah. parent. Die Hard 3 originally started as Lethal Weapon 4. See, that's fu- that makes yeah, sense. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> Lethal Weapon 4 is not that good. It's got Jet Li in it. Oh, yeah. And Chris Rock as like Officer Butters. The there's also oh, this is a, there's like a weird parent trap element to it where like <laughs> this girl's parents are like divorced or they're like estranged or something and she's like trying mm-hmm. to get them to fall back in love and also they're kidnapped and also Santa's here. <laughs> it's like kind of throwing a lot of things at the wall to see what sticks and they all kind of stick. It's like you just get little bits and pieces where you're like, damn, that seems great. 
Uh, there's also a background, a backstory where it doesn't ever really get explained, but it's fine because they, it's just sort of a throwaway that Santa is actually a reincarnation of a Viking warrior. <laughs> um, and who used to be like a like what's what's the uh, term uh, uh, um, a berserker, like yeah. just used to like kill people with fucking sledgehammer. And there's a sweet sequence in that movie where Santa finds a sledgehammer and just tears through dudes. It's awesome. Um, a lot of cool improvised weaponry. Stabs a dude in the face with a star off of a tree. He slices a dude's head off with ice skates. Um. Yeah, man, if you just want like a cool action flick, this is maybe one of my favorite action movies produced in like the last four years. It starts mm. a little slow, uh, but once it gets into it, it's just awesome. It's just fun, man. Nice. Danny was very excited for this movie. From the second we saw the trailer, where did we even see that trailer at? We saw it at Hunt, I think. Was it at Hunt? It might have been a Triangle of Sadness, honestly. Oh, you know what? You were, I, it was. It was Triangle of Sadness. You're mm-hmm. right. Because I just knew it probably was at like a big chain because it they was, aren't really giving a shit about... Well, I mean, not giving a shit, but they aren't tailoring the, the trailers. The reason I was thinking it was Hunt is because we saw Decision to Leave trailers both times. Yeah, yeah. And it, I remembered it backed up to that. You're so right. yes, it was You're probably right. Triangle of Sadness with Decision to Leave and Violent Night were in the front of it. Yeah. But yeah, it it's definitely a movie I'm glad I saw in theaters mm-hmm. uh, because there's some crazy gunplay and stuff. But if you ever just want to like kick back and watch like a funny action movie with your friends, dude, it whips. It's just, and, and, you know, and, and not in, you know, not trying to compare it to decision to leave on like a <laughs> filmic <laughs> level, <wait> for this. <laughs> but the beauty of certain simple movies like that is it's not hard to give them satisfying payoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, that they set up like three storylines in that movie that all kind of have a very simple payoff. So like the last 10 minutes of that movie are just super satisfying. It's like back to back to back. Oh, we're resolving something. Mm -hmm. And there is some weird like endorphin release when like in a movie, something gets resolved very tidy. Yeah, And they're really good at setting that up in the last act of the movie to resolve three different things in a really tidy way that also is really fun to watch. And you just go like, oh, man, that's awesome. And it's it's written by the guys who did. Um, oh, fuck me. It, another movie that I watched and was surprised how good it was. Is it an action movie? No, it's a comedy. Um it was like a bigger thing than I was expecting because it also it's also something that was like kids related. Mm-hmm. Um, Goosebumps. No, but uh, 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 Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah, he it was it's him and uh, it's Pat Casey and Josh Miller, um, who did Sonic the Hedgehog. And also did that like old, old, old horror comedy that was like the uh, Hey, Stop Stabbing Me. Did you watch that? I don't think I ever did. It was these two guys, before they did Sonic the Hedgehog, they did this movie. Is it a shorter feature? It's a feature from like 2003 that they recorded on, I think, VHS or DVC that um, it's called Hey, Stop Stabbing Me. Mm-hmm. And it's like a it's like a serial killer comedy. I'm going to add that to my list. That sounds good. Um, But and then they they used to do just a lot of programming. If I remember, after that they did like a lot of programming for uh, local horror festivals. But it's on Tubi. 
Um, want to check it out. But yeah, and then they also did that show Goal and the Insatiable, which I thought was fine. That was on ADHD. Uh, um, what was it called? Golem the Insatiable. I don't think I ever heard of that. It's like a, uh, like a, like a, I don't know. It's like a comedy about like a guy who's like a, I don't know if he's like a Viking or if he's like a, like a, an evil dude or something, but he's like, uh, I don't know. It's like he's coming to Earth. And gotcha. Then he, I think he goes like he like ends up in a suburb or something. Have you ever heard of this thing that they wrote on called Game Box 1.0? No. You should look at this poster. Real Whoa, quick. the video game, game that yeah. plays you. Want to play? <laughs> That's awesome. Might have to check that oh, out. Oh, I've you know what? I've seen this poster. Ah, you know what? Never seen that. This is I've seen this go- going around. That's funny. We're gonna watch it. We should. I wonder if they'd be down to be on the show. Honestly, maybe because they seem like cool guys. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Violent Night. Kick ass. I'll be on my best behavior if they come. Um, I won't ask them why they made Sonic Floss twice. <laughs> well, he has to. I know why he floss twice. Contractually obligated. Um, Big Floss stepped in. And then uh, the director had done uh, kind of a lot of like goofy similar things. He did this movie called Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, it's just. That was in theaters whenever I was working at the movie theater. Oh, what? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, what year was that? Uh, 2013. Let me double check. Yeah, the Croft this with Mike and Dave need wedding dates. <laughs> oh, that what an awesome movie! Oh, and then he also directed. That's right. What whatever happened to Monday? No, 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 no. Sorry, that was that came out a few years before. I just remember when that movie was coming out. Uh, but yeah, he. Oh wait, did they make a sequel to Hansel and Gretel: Witch Hunters? Now, why am I thinking that they made a sequel? To that? Are you thinking of? The prequel, the uh, I mean, a prequel to his little no, 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 that Steve before that, not actually a prequel of the um, Brothers Grimm movie. No, 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 I'm not thinking of that. That one occupies a part of my mind where I still think about it because that's a uh, that's the guy that did Brazil and was in Monty Python. That's, oh, yeah, uh, um, Terry Gilliam, Terry Gilliam. Uh, it says they talked about a sequel but never did one. Okay, I remember, I think just I would every few years there would be reports, I'm like that they were moving forward. I'm like, what are you guys doing? No one is talking about this movie anymore. Um, but the movie, what happened to Monday? Tommy Workle also directed that. Did okay. you ever see that movie? No. It's, I, I even, I, it was, <laughs> I haven't even heard of this. I didn't finish it. it it's Glenn Close and, um, uh, Willem uh, Dafoe. And Numi Rapace. I don't know who that is, but she's top build. I, mean, I know that she, I yeah, know yeah, who yeah. she is in the movie. She's I just don't in, know who else uh, she's, in. she's the original, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, actress. Oh, that makes sense. She's also in Lamb and uh, Prometheus. But basically, and right, a very bad movie. It's like a weird science fiction, I guess, mystery kind of. But it's like there's seven sisters, and they all are like a day of the week. But then a lot of crazy things happen, and the question is, what happened to Monday? Like the sister. I see. Um, but it's that was, I think, one of the first movies that like went from theaters to Netflix uh, that when like they were getting really big movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like 20 still on Netflix. If you want to check it out. Um, and I remember people saying like this movie rocks and then I watched it's bouncing between a lot of like four stars and two stars in yes. my in my feed at least. That's not representative of everyone. Obviously. Well, I just remember that, that being like it was really hot when it came out and then I mm-hmm. uh, I think I watched we started watching at a friend's house because they were like you got to see this movie and we got like 30 minutes in and I was like yeah. man it's fine. And then they're like, we should watch something else. And I was like, yeah. 
Uh, maybe I should go back and watch it, but I don't know. It was okay, but Violent Night, on the other hand, whips, and if Violent Night is uh, available for you to watch, great movie. Being a whips, are they going to make a live-action Castlevania movie? <laughs> what did I say last night? I don't know what you said. You said... <laughs> what was it? Something about Castlevania. It was Danny Castlevania. <laughs> oh, Danny Castlevania. In California. reference to the Danny, song Danny California by the Red Chili Peppers. Yeah. Be pretty awesome. I'm <laughs> sort of Danny California. When I... I shouldn't be admitting this in the podcast. <clears throat> when I was in middle school, I wrote a play called Indiana Justin and the Temple of Dairy that I was in, of course. Uh, but I didn't want to be Georgia Grant, so I just made my name California Grant. That's awesome. In a way that I was kind of calling my shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it took 10 years, but <laughs> I was the only one who didn't have a uh, alliterative name because I didn't want to be from Georgia. That's funny. Um, I'm telling you, we could have gone Glendale Grant. <laughs> he wants Glendale Grant to happen. I, he, it, it does. It makes sense. That's sort of your attitude is Glendale Grant. I don't get what you mean when you say it's that. Like, it's like I don't a, even think you know what you mean when you like say that. It's like a cozy sort of California suburb where people are white. chill. <laughs> I, I don't even know. The, I don't know if Glendale's white. Honestly, I don't know well. a lot about the demographics of Glendale. But... <laughs> Pasadena, I'm just going off me at least. Pasadena Grant. Huh? Pasadena Grant. That's why. Uh, <laughs> uh, but just, uh, just that it's like fun, but it's not too, you know, like rowdy. That's Glendale. Yeah. Okay. Kevin will back me up. Hey, look, is he living in Glendale? He lives. No, I, don't dox him. What am I, what am I doing? I, I'm about to participate in the doxing. We got to have Kevin on. We do. We got to have the whole band on, I think. Separately. <laughs> I don't want to all have one. Well, now, now, now that, uh, Jacob is saying that we should record the podcast at the rehearsal. Well, that's studio. insane. I that's, don't think we should. That's do. fucking stupid. We shouldn't do that, but we should have them all on separately. I think. Oh, uh, separately. Why not? I, I was think it's four. Well, you said you said that it'd be funny to have a musical intro of the podcast. Well, that, the no, no. I think live musical guest is what I'm thinking. Well, I we try to do a space pod. Well, but this will be better because it will be an actual band, and also we know more popular people can get other musicians on. I look. I. I think that was a good episode. Well, we did <laughs> as, as the musical guest. That was what I thought I did pretty good. We did it twice. Oh, we did do it twice. Didn't Cass we? came on. Forgot Cass came on. Yeah. I remember the interview part. I forgot she did a, she did a song. Yeah, she played. Uh, she played in my kitchen. Ooh, don't remember that, which we can still do in here. Probably. Yeah, the acoustics are great. That's what I was telling Kevin the other night. We got to have the band come in here so that I can bounce off of every single part of the roof. Like the conversations were the other night. <laughs> yeah, was, I couldn't hear anything. No, it's, it's the best part is like is like 10 people sounds like 30 people in here. So it just feels more like a party. Yeah, I recorded some walla. Did you actually? Yes. <laughs> of, it's it's funny because if you listen to the wall, whenever Grant puts I'll it, play it right now, when, whatever, whatever is is there? Can is it discernible that somebody's going? So, so Greg Fillingane said Greg what? Fillingane said what about Van Nuys? No, I, is that a real quote? That's awesome. Kind of sounds like professional Walla. I was impressed. I was like, wow, this is really party, party, party Walla. I was like, I can't understand anything. Walla, Walla, party town. So we got like a couple more movies. I briefly want to talk about Tar because we just sort of had brought it up. Yeah. uh, In the break. What did you think? It was good. It It was was really good. Cable and that's awesome in it. uh, Everyone's awesome in it, really. I mean, friend of the show, Rodrigo, just said that he thinks that that movie should be nominated for best picture on the ending alone. <laughs> I mean, it's a good ending, man. Good ending. It's 
I think that that movie did it deserves I think a lot of people I said this to you the other day after you watched it. I think it a lot of people look at that movie very pessimistically when I think it's slightly more optimistic mm-hmm. than people think it is. Like you guys should all watch Tar. Because we're about to say I'm about to talk at the end. <laughs> we're about to talk Tar. But we're talking Tar. Um the ending of that movie. Um uh the ending We're back <laughs> again. All right, I wasn't gonna reveal that Danny was not successful in securing a reservation. I tried to secure a dinner. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, you did not want me to talk about that. It's fine. No. Uh I because I ended in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Um <laughs> the the <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm sorry. We can start it over one no, more time. No, no, I don't want to deal with that now. Uh, so basically, the the ending to Tar is, I think, like people laugh at, like they're like, oh, she's like been denigrated to serving, yeah, as the like, she's serving, she's uh uh uh, uh conducting, conducting a, a children's choir at a convention, and it's <laughs> like, yes, that is funny, but. <sighs> It, it the the point of the movie is after she goes back home because you know after after all the stuff has come out about the way she was you know manipulating and her and abusing her students mm-hmm. and then um she goes back home and she watches the Leonard Bernstein tapes is like all that really matters is the music and you see her take the uh task of conducting video game music for children as seriously as she takes conducting any other composer. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of this optimistic ending of like, well, you know, all that what she has learned in the end is all that really does matter is the music. If she's being interviewed by the New Yorker or she's not, it doesn't matter. What matters is that she is doing things to the best of her ability to make the music. Yeah. You know, uh, reach the audience. And I think that that is really optimistic. I think a lot of people, prefer to view that movie punitively and I don't think I think it should be inspiring despite the fact that she's kind of a piece of shit well I don't know if I find it inspiring but I do think it is her just fully embodying the whole separating the art from the artist yeah kind of literally with herself though more than anything because it is funny because in most of the movie when she says stuff like that it sort of comes across as like a defense of those people yeah no what I think the point you're making is that it's like she's still just is maybe the most selfless we see her is her trying to genuinely make an effort to understand where uh the composer of the monster hunter (laughs) series was coming from when uh writing that piece but is your mic on Ah, sorry i just i wasn't i got kind of quiet there. i was probably the most quiet (laughs) i've been this whole episode uh yeah tar it's more that yeah, exactly. It's it's whenever she talks about like because there's that conversation she has with the guy who's the uh uh funding the yeah. Jeremy Strong's character. Yeah. No, the older guy. The older guy. The older, the older guy. guy. Okay, no, that's um, not Jeremy Strong. And so she's Strong? like, it Mark didn't... Strong's the guy in the movie, I think. No, I'm sorry. The, the guy she tackles on stage, I believe, not is him. Mark Strong. Yes. No, I'm talking about the older guy. Jeremy Strong. No, sorry. Jeremy Strong is the... Is he the guy that writes... He was on Gilmore Girls? I think so. <laughs> I oh. think he was Paris's boyfriend. Oh. I think. Maybe. I don't know. I think he writes on Empire, too. I'm moving on. Sorry. Um, the... 
the older guy who she's having coffee with in the cafe when they're talking about like yes. uh and she she makes the point she's like, well it didn't stop him from, you know, writing good music. And it's like that is sort of the point of the movie is that like it seems when she says those things early in the movie that it's like, oh, it's a defense of these people. And it's like, no, the point is that it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. because you can acknowledge these people are shitty, but that, yeah, maybe the point at which we see them most selfless or most uh, emotionally in tune with the rest of society is when they're doing their art. Mm-hmm. Not that their art makes them good or that their art justifies all their other behavior, but that to throw away good art for a bad person is like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you can argue is a good point or not, but that I think that yeah, she ends up embodying that at the end, which is you see at the end, she's clearly not been a good person this whole movie, but that yeah, the the most selfless and most true to her core that we see her is when she's conducting the symphony. Yeah, which is I I think I think an optimistic ending. A lot of people I think would disagree, but. I, I like that it was vaguely optimistic in that sense. Cause mm. I feel like if it was just like, you know, I don't know. She like fucking like gets all of her, uh, fame taken away from her and then kills herself or something. It'd be like, well, that's not yeah, why. Well, yeah. I would have been unhappy if the movie ended with that, but well, I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I clearly, <laughs> this is why I didn't write this movie. Yeah. I think it's a very smartly written ending and that you can look at it both ways. Yeah. Uh, to answer the question that I posed, Mark Strong is the actor in Tar, and Danny Strong is the actor from Gilmore Girls. Uh, he played Doyle, and he also is the creator of the show Empire. No, oh, which not. just a little fun fact. Cool. Uh, tar is good. Tar is good. <laughs> also, for a two and a half hour movie, oh really yeah, quick. breezes right by. It's very, 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 very well paced. Uh, Danny was saying he wanted to nominate it for best editing. If I think he got the opportunity. And he needs to, to be. I if it if, needs to be. If I was on the voting committee, I would I would vote for it. I can't think of a better movie. If Danny had us. his druthers. If I was ace. Um, asexual? <laughs> no, American I know, I know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If I was asexual. If I was ace, the asexual platonic ideal of a movie is Tar? No, that doesn't even make sense. She's a yeah. lesbian. Pretty, pretty seriously lesbian yeah. in that movie. Horny on Main, too. Yeah. That's also the cool part of that movie is that she's horny on Main. <laughs> yeah it's actually it's actually a real problem for her it is it ends up biting her in the ass the part where she takes the violinist with her on a trip and she's like do you want to get down the violinist like i'm gonna go to bed and she's like, okay and then the violinist goes out or is a cellist maybe cellist yes yeah, cellist um yeah goes out with a, some dude she just met very funny it is good good stuff um, i yes water movie well, I was going to say, I also saw... Well, no, no, no. I wanted to continue on Cape Blanchett for a second. Oh, okay. So I Blanchett in another movie this past month, which I'm glad you don't remember because now I'm going to get to reveal all over again that she is the monkey in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yes. Uh, she doesn't have any lines. I don't believe. I think she is only exclusively making monkey noises. Uh, it's pretty awesome a really good cast in that movie and that movie uh i mean i don't think you could probably see it in theaters anymore but it was it was fun to get to see that in theaters it's a beautiful looking little movie uh i 
think that, I mean, I was going to say, I think that it didn't need to be a musical, but then I was like, I don't need to get so negative immediately with my one negative take on the movie. Uh, I think Alexandra Desplat did the mu- music or Desplat. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how to pronounce his Desplat. name. I pre- figured it was Desplat. Uh, you know, I've watched enough Oscar ceremonies. I probably should know at this point. He fucking gets nominated like every other year. It seems like crazy side addition note to this and Pinocchio to Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. The three amigos conversation we watched has been posted online. <laughs> I'm curious to see how that was edited. Danny and I, yeah, we should talk if about you go this to film.netflixawards.com. You can go watch this crazy <laughs> yeah, Danny very and I stream went, of consciousness. It, it we went to the think. Academy Museum and they had a talk back basically with uh, Alexandra Alejandro, Alejandro and, Ritu Ritu. and uh, Maybe not. okay, and Guillermo del Toro, hosted by Alfonso Cuaron. Are you gonna sneeze? I just keep thinking I am, and I don't. <laughs> and I don't want to sneeze on the mic. Please sneeze. Okay, we're good now. Okay, uh, we got popcorn. <laughs> they we gave got us popcorn. They a boxed water. I broke a seat. <laughs> you didn't break a seat. <laughs> it, it, it the handle came off, but it went right back on. Yes. I don't think we fixed it, really. <laughs> well, I think it was broken before we got there. I don't think you well, broke it. Uh, jury's still out on that. But uh, Grant, Grant will get the jury award for breaking seats. I would love to. I'm going to do a, do a Roberto Benini. I'm going to step on all the seats on the way down Ooh, to accept the award yeah. to break a bunch of seats. So it starts kicking through. Oh, yeah. It was very, very unorganized. <laughs> and they kind of all just were riffing for an hour or so. Yeah, but it was a good uh, time. It was, look, I had a great time. I did not walk out of there thinking they were going to release it, and I'm very curious to see. Well, yeah, because they were filming. I, I think it's not like they're not putting it on Netflix, yeah. but it's part of their awards package for trying to get people to vote for the uh, Cabinet of Curiosities and uh, Pinocchio and Bardo. Yeah, Bardo too. Uh, but I'm just, I don't, I don't know how much was very usable from what we saw because it was fun but and i'm sure they also did the interview beforehand uh they did yeah so i'm i'm guessing that that was more structured than this and they're gonna probably show clips from what we saw but i can't imagine they're releasing the whole thing and that i would love for it to be because it was really funny everyone was just uh to be i look to be listen up (laughs) i would love for it to be uh that and then also i think that uh the truth is it'd be fun i think if if I'm an, and this is why I'm not an awards voter. If I was an awards voter and they were like, you can watch a cool interview or you could just keep, see Guillermo del Toro heckle Alfonso Cuaron for an oh, yeah. hour, I'd be like, I'm voting for Al- I'm voting for the latter. It's yeah. going to make me feel better about this movie. Uh, Guillermo was on fire. He's he's a fucking <laughs> he's a slugger, man. It was, Love it. It was home run. Exactly how I was would have hoped. For him to to be acting, yeah, it, it was, was like any fun interview you've seen with him on a red carpet or like promoting anything. Eh, man, <laughs> he's gonna eh, try he's like, his hand at some grunts now. He just kind of he kind of talks back in his throat, you know. Yeah, am I kind of close? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to like think of something he said. Want to touch this? <laughs> I'm trying to think of something he said. Uh, he was sort of like, uh, when I was. 150 pounds ago. Uh, he sort of, <clears throat> I was telling my brother, he sort of sounds like you haven't watched Homestar Runner, but Sage, our our only listener, Sage, uh, 
has watched Homestar Runner. He sounds like Sonor Card Gauge. Hey, man. I got a bag full of dreams. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, he's pretty good. I like his voice. Look, Ian, they all had great voices. They yeah. all had different flavors of voices. Inuritu, as they said, is very intense. He sounds yeah. incredibly intense. And then... Yeah. Oh, I kept calling cool. him pretentious, and I want to take the record now. Make the record straight. I think maybe I should have just said self-serious. Because that's more what I meant. That's more than that's anything. Because I, I like a lot of people pretentious. I feel like I was saying it and it was being taken as I was a slam and I wasn't trying to slam him. Uh, but and that I think is also extends to my feelings on Jack White. I think they're both very self serious people. But Jack White can be a lot. He'll he's a lot looser. He'll vacillate. It's the interviews that come off as self serious, but yeah. then the performances and the music don't come off as that. So that's what. I think that maybe annoys me a little further about him is that there's just a weird separation. It seems but like. I, well, I don't know if it's like and these are mostly written interviews. So true. I, you never know. I'm how sure if I watched looks. some videos, I would feel differently, and I'm sure maybe something's being lost but in also, the translation. I, I wonder if it's like because self serious also to me hits is like I don't know. It's weird because like self serious, yes, but it's also like I think it's situational. Like it seemed like in your Ritu was asked a question yes and then was just trying to answer in a serious yes. way and no i know where it, it, and, well, the reason i called him pretentious was more of his art <laughs> than it was his no, answer sure. he was only being intense and self-serious just in his answers but but, but whereas i think which well, was I, a nice balance from you know, to not know taking I, the conversation seriously thing, i don't even know if i want to even say self-serious as much as he was just directly serious like because mm-hmm. i'm sure that if you hang out with him he's probably not talking like that mm. but it seemed like but what if he is no oh, that'd be cool <laughs> that'd be cool <laughs> but it, it seems like the kind of thing where like if in your reach is the kind of guy if you ask him a question he's gonna answer you very seriously because he's yes. like i guess trying to be considerate like oh you really asked me so you really care mm-hmm. so i'm trying to answer you whereas uh gear metal Toro seems like it'd be a fun hang because like you ask him a question he kind of doesn't answer it at all mm-hmm. he's like He's maybe the opposite where I look as far as like jovial. Like yeah. he's very goofy and jovial. Yeah. Um, which is neither one of these is bad, but definitely in your I don't even want to say he's self-serious because I don't know how he is outside of an interview. Yeah. But definitely I mean, in an interview thing. It from seems all like that stuff I've heard. He's not very fun to work with. No, I know people no. died because he didn't follow COVID precautions on Bardo's set. And oh, it was really? oh, kind we- of a completely fucked up production. <laughs> so it's like remarkable. I don't know. Okay. I feel like that was happening a lot when the movie was in production. I haven't heard much of that since the movie came out, obviously. Because they're probably... It? Like, he just wasn't... I think he wasn't requiring masks. or This was also pretty early on in COVID, too. But I guess my question being, I don't know if he wasn't... I'm not saying he isn't. I'm saying I don't know if he wasn't because they shot it in Mexico. I don't know what their COVID guidelines were. I, look, I don't know either. Uh, maybe some... Maybe you're even saying... I haven't read an interview, but maybe... One of the things that may have been said was that he shot there maybe to avoid sure, <laughs> stricter yeah, no, COVID laws. Sense. And I think maybe as a result of them not being as strict on that set, sure, people got infected. I th- I'm pretty certain some people passed away who worked on that movie mm-hmm. due to COVID complications that they got as because a result of, of being on set. No, that, that, that I buy that he moved there. I just heard that was a hard production too, which I mean, he kind of copped to that in the interview, but he didn't bring up any of that. And I was like, all right, I'm not surprised you didn't bring up any of that. I don't know why you would have brought up any of that at a Netflix event. Yeah. As, yeah. I'm sure Netflix wants to be like, we paid for people to die. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's probably not a good look. I don't um, know. And also, I mean, that's like also a lot li- like a legal liability. If you said like, oh yeah, we knew it was dangerous and we did it. Like, 
Yeah. Um, he came off better in this talk than he did at any of the interviews I had read. Again, I, 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 I read a lot of interviews. <laughs> I'm not because I was trying to Rolling Stone and stuff, and they would always interview these guys around when the award seasons mm-hmm. would come out. I read reviews when Revenant was coming out. I read reviews when Birdman was coming out, or interviews, not reviews. I read both, I guess, technically. But uh, I don't know. He just <laughs> seemed like a lot. <laughs> he seemed like a lot in every interview I read of his. Yeah. And he was a lot at this, but I mean, it wasn't like, I don't know. It was still, it was a great time. I was, and it made me want to watch all his movies. I mean, we watched it like a montage. They show clips from everything. And his montage is awesome. I his, yeah, watch whoever it. edited his montage was like, <laughs> yeah, they were genius. On it. it had like three needle drops. And then <laughs> they played Let's Dance by David Bowie and showed the clip from The Revenant where the horse falls, the horse off, falls the off a cliff. cliff. <laughs> it was all, nice it was like on dance. the drop too. It was really, really good. It was awesome. Yeah. Um. Uh. Anyway, sorry. Pinocchio. You're talking about Pinocchio. Pinocchio is really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, music it looks awesome. It didn't need to be a musical, in my opinion. Uh, shame it's not in theaters for longer. I Netflix is annoying to me, but again, it's really double edged things. I mean, it's not like any other major studio would have probably paid for this right now. I mean, there's just a lot yeah. less of that happening. I'm glad Netflix is willing to take risks like that, but they do bother me a lot when it comes to the release of the films sure. and to like the requirements that they make filmmakers use when shooting on there. Cause like the fact that like you can only shoot on certain cameras if you're, I mean, I'm sure it's also different. Also, if you're a director, like Alejandro and Yuritu or Guillermo del Toro or you Coran, do you want. you're probably gonna do whatever you fucking want or fucking uh, Marty Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know a lot of times if you're a smaller production, they make you use a certain kind of camera and shoot in a certain kind of color space because they want everything to kind of be standard on every device, which I get. But at the same time, I don't know. So, that kind of annoys me. But what's so funny about that is that, like, I just feel like working in posts. Part of me is like, I fucking get it. Like, I get it. I get why it happens. It just, I don't know. I just, so, it annoys me when it has to dictate how the art is made. I just don't think it matters that much, though. Like, I mean. I wouldn't care, I guess, if it was like a post thing and then they were able to do a digital, like a DVD release that like maybe had a different color grade that the director liked more or something. But a lot of times you don't even get a physical release for a lot of Netflix things. It only lives on Netflix in the version well, yeah, that they true. want they don't to do look the same on every device. Anymore, really. I saw a lot of people complaining about how Pinocchio looked on Netflix compared to how it looked in theaters also. But I mean, I true. didn't watch I, it on Netflix and yeah. I only saw it in theaters. And I didn't see it in a great theater. It wasn't like I watched this and was like, I don't know. This looked like this would look like shit if I was watching it at home. But yeah, well, I also think I don't know because I guess there is. I think it's annoying, but I don't think that's really anything new. I mean, I guess not. It just it annoys me when people act like Netflix is great for filmmaking. My dad likes to think, well, this is great for filmmakers, right? In a way, it kind of is, but it's just like also, I don't know. It's just digital versus the the new age versus the way things used to be. It's never going to be one to one, and we're all still kind of figuring it out, I guess. I just mean stuff like that. Like, I mean, like you could point to like, yeah, color spaces, but it's like I feel like now. I mean, wrong. I'm sure Netflix is really picky about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I feel like it's actually easier, like. If you think about color spaces in you know ten years ago, 
it's like, or even let's say 15, you had basically one applicable color space in, mm-hmm. you know, you, you were broadcasting NSTC yeah. and basically all movies in Hollywood were kind of hamstrung by any physical release of it had to be going to NSTC. Yeah. And so they all looked like shit because that's a horrible way to broadcast. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you could argue that like, you know, Netflix wanting to level everything to Rec 709 or something. It's more, I think, that they don't really allow for extremes in either direction, like the extremely dark stuff they don't want on the platform or they want it to like not be complete blacks. Mm -hmm. They want it to all be more mid-tones and they don't want anything to be super, super bright either. It's just the rounding off the edges that kind of, that annoys me. But again, like, I get why, because they want it to look the same on every screen, and not every screen can display the level of brightness needed to make a super, super dark scene legible or anything. Yeah. I just just feel like, I don't know. There's versions of this going back before Netflix. I mean, I just... I mean, you can argue that... The thing is, though, they weren't being funded by the physical media people back then. They kind of were. I I mean, mean, I guess. Again, not if you're a Martin Scorsese. Yeah. But... I mean, what's interesting about like a lot of that stuff is there is if you've ever read uh, uh, Christine Vachon's Shoot to Kill, I think this was in her book. Mm-hmm. Um, Vachon, Vachon, I don't know how she pronounced it, but um, who? But she did all of uh, Todd Hayes's films. Haynes, Haynes, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Haynes, Haynes, Haynes is. Uh, um, but <laughs> the cat's like loving the corner by the coffee maker. He's been up there like four times today. Yeah. Um, Sniffing around, man. But uh, she talks about how uh, for a lot of those movies, they're like, oh, we're like an indie filmmaker that's known, but we definitely know that kind of money. Mm. A lot of that was already funded basically by uh, foreign physical pre-sales. So a lot of it was like dictated by those people. So like yeah, if you're if you are a Hollywood, you know, film, you probably don't have to deal with that. But that stuff has existed in the small filmmaker space for goddamn ever. Yeah, but they weren't telling you what camera to shoot on. It's different in post when you're having to convert it to NTS. Oh, I don't know that they weren't. They weren't. No, I'm saying I don't know that they weren't. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could argue that like, well, they weren't telling you what camera to shoot on. But it's like, well, yeah, but back then it's because there wasn't digital cameras. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing. You could argue the same thing about, well, yeah, back in the day, there were three available film stocks yeah. and you had to shoot on one of those or else you couldn't make that movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, but there wasn't even anything beyond that, though, at that point. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, I'm not saying that Netflix is inventing good options for filmmakers. Yeah. But I'm saying that even in the limitations that Netflix is getting Yeah, no, people, there were always requirements from the producing There's sources. probably still more availability for those kind of things now whereas like it's, it's not unlimited you're right they're making yeah limitations. i guess it's just annoying to still have limitations when we have so many more options now is what i'm saying i, I mean guess. yeah it's just like yeah it's, there just has to be some sort of standard yeah because otherwise shit would be a nightmare yeah sorry i zoned out in the football for a second yeah i mean uh I mean, it's just one of many things that I don't like about Netflix. It's not like that is the reason why I don't like Netflix. Sure. I also don't like Netflix. It doesn't release numbers. 
That's uh, true. That's I mean, super annoying. They just say, this is actually the most viewed thing ever on the platform. Yeah, no, that's, that's the only time they ever want to talk about numbers. They never release. They're very weird about physical releases of things. Yeah. Which, I mean, I would like because it is annoying to be suck watching the version on Netflix that mm-hmm. is dependent on your bit rate that you can stream. Because yeah. they're one of the platforms. Them and Prime, I feel like, are the, they're the best about maintaining a consistent stream, but it doesn't look good no, most they, of the time. Oh, they have the fucking worst banding. Yeah, both of them have terrible it. banding, and the audio sometimes just sounds fucking atrocious. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. I um, I think that... Uh, and, and it, it's it, in conjunction with a bunch of other things that that annoys me. All these things are one are those things where you go, well, from Netflix's perspective, I completely get No, it. I get it. From the business perspective, I understand it. But I it think sucks. it's just from the artist's perspective that yeah. it annoys me. But, but I haven't had to do business with but any the of other them. Thing I'm sure is, I would flip real quick if they offered me a fucking truckload of money to But the make other something. thing is also, like, I feel like that has also changed in the last few years as Netflix has decided to fund its own stuff more. Yeah. Whereas in the early days of all streaming platforms, and there is still a certain amount of this, it's, oh, I made a movie. The movie is done. I brought it to a festival or it's like two-thirds done or something. Mm -hmm. And then they buy it from you. Like that's what happened. No, yeah, I'm specifically talking just about things that they fund. Sure. Which vary wildly between, yeah, like prestige people who can probably flex and yeah. keep them from doing whatever, or at least are able to make, if they have to make the concession there, they can work something else out where they get to do something else on top of that or do something crazy or make a crazy movie. Yeah. Or, or the like, uh, the world where it's like, I'm sure there's the very bottom end of that guy's front. Like, oh, well, use whatever camera you want, man. Fuck, just let me make a goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I I I understand. I'm sure that if you are somewhere in the middle there, there is a period of like this fucking sucks. Why are you making me do this? Yeah, but I'm sure also if you considered, I just it's feel not like, a new thing. I shouldn't have maybe acted or presented it as if no, it was a newer problem. I'm not saying it is, that you present, but I under, I I I think that Netflix, I Netflix is not good for filmmakers. I think that these in the same way that Spotify is not good for musicians. Sure, I just think that it's not bad for them either. Yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't trying to say that. I was just that's just something that annoys me about Netflix. Sure. I don't think that they're bad bad as a whole. Because I mean, obviously it's getting movies and stuff seen. Like yeah. that's ultimately the bottom line. And I don't know. No, no, you also annoys me that they've well, I don't know. It's in one hand good again that they are doing original stuff because they're giving money to things that other people wouldn't give money yeah. to. But it also annoys me that they've managed to like completely lose any licensing to anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like they should have maybe... I just have never... I'm never reaching for Netflix for the most part. And and I... Unders- oh, this is a movie they bought or funded. And I also understand there's like... I don't know. I think also we're, we're in this repeating cycle of people who watch TV, which mm-hmm. is like people say stuff. I'm not saying that you are like this, mm-hmm. but people see something happen and it happens on Netflix and then they're mad at Netflix for doing it or they're mad at HBO for doing it or yeah. whatever. Uh, you're right it's definitely it's probably a thing that happens on other platforms that i'm just not aware of well i've just definitely heard netflix people people who work on netflix things talk about that and be frustrated with that sure but i was saying more about trends which is like a good example of this is like people going like what's fucked up because netflix funds a lot of shows and they only get one season then they get canceled and i'm like that's were you ever around for network tv yeah Yeah, you'd never watched cable like what the fuck like 
they tried to do that. To, it's always sunny. Like in its first season, they're like, we're forcing you to add another cast member or you're gone. I think it's weird, maybe because people our age, they don't have an awareness of the history of it. Like whenever there weren't that many channels. Yeah. So like, I think in their mind, I don't know. Now we've returned almost to monoculture in a way, a little bit, just in that things on Netflix, there will be something in the monoculture. I feel like for a while it was a little bit harder because there were a million fucking channels for everything. Everything kind of got re-centralized for a little bit with streaming services. And then they kind of blew up and splintered off into a million streaming services again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like now that we're somewhat back into like the whole world is watching one show. Now they want to act like there weren't decades where yeah, like the exact same thing was happening where a show would get canceled after one season despite getting good reviews. Yeah. And and it's just like for a forgetting of the historical precedents, I guess. Yeah, and and I mean like sort of there's also like it's a it's a that make any sense? Was that, no, that no, that's really We might not have the AC on right now. I don't feel hot. Um, no, I don't feel hot at all. Not super, super hot or anything, but uh, it might just be taking a second to kick in. Okay. <laughs> uh, I feel like the other thing is I feel like it. There is the volume to a like available attention ratio is so much. Oh yeah, it's crazy. different now. Like, like, sh- like there is. I mean, I guess it's c- kind of similar to the level that cable was at toward the end. Yeah, sorry, I should have said cable. I was no, I not. No, I was outside of. I was rambling. Sorry, uh, but well, yeah, but that basically it's this thing where it's like, oh, it's sure to me to saying sorry in a sorry. <laughs> speech bubble. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, day. Uh, we're bringing back. I'm sorry, day. But you have to. You have, it's Grant apologizing to me. Uh. <laughs> No comment. Um, that uh, yeah, I'm it's apologizing like, to the audience, not to Dan. It's like I understand why people are like. But I think the one that comes to mind is like, did you watch that show Daybreak? No, it was good. It was like a post-apocalyptic world with teenagers, and it was solid. Mm-hmm. I when thought was, that, what year was that? Twenty seventeen or eighteen? Okay. Um, it was like I want to say right after I graduated college, so maybe it was twenty nineteen. Um, but it it was a good show. And but people, it got canceled after one season, and it was you know, I am sure that people were upset about it. I was upset about it, but it was also like the not not enough people watched it, and it was a very expensive show. Yeah, I want to bring this up, but I almost don't want to bring it up. You watch Firefly? I didn't even like it. I cannot stand Firefly. It blows my mind that people love that show. but that is absolutely because like those people bitch forever. They got a movie too. Yeah. They're still complaining. The movie's better than the show. I didn't watch the movie. It's got Chiwetel Ejiofor. four. Okay, but but there's you know Chiwetel Ejiofor, four, right? No, He's the lead in uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, I believe. I hope I'm not wrong about that. He's really good though. Great character actor. I want to say he's British. Uh, kind of similar spaces. David O. Yellowo, the guy that played uh. Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma. Oh, yeah. He's uh, British? Yeah. They're both British. Did not know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else is Chuetel in? Chuetel, I want to say he was in the Soderbergh thing, but I could be wrong. He might not be. Hmm. Anyway, he pops up in things every couple of years. Really, really great character actor. Uh, 
would have been cool if he could have been Bond. I think he's a little too old to be Bond at this point. Yeah. He could have been a really good suave Bond, I think. I know everyone like to say Idris Elba, but uh, come on, she would have been cool. Yep. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I think that, I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think people will just forget that stuff. Like, people forget yeah. that, yeah, like, the whole, like, being mad over a show being canceled has been happening forever. Being yeah. mad that a show didn't, or that a movie didn't get enough budget has been happening forever. Yeah. Like, like, you guys must have heard of Terry Gilliam. You know, it's <laughs> director of the Brothers Grimm. Director of the Brothers Grimm. You know, or yeah, you know, it's. I feel like people. It is now back in the news again because places like HBO and and Netflix are like doing this stuff. But I feel like this is super common. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, it is this. It's same news, different day. Yeah. Uh, trying to think we have another. Well, I have a few more Netflix th- things I saw on Netflix that I'm going to try and. Speed round, real quick. Okay. Uh, I watched White Noise, a great example of a movie that you know it's cool. Netflix funded this because I can't imagine it really would have gotten funded mm-hmm. anywhere else. About to burp, but not burp. I'm, my body's at war with itself right now. Okay. <laughs> never, never sneezed. Uh, it's really fucking me up right now. Okay. <laughs> White Noise, good. Adam Driver, good. Noah Baumbach, yeah, he's good. I'm gonna have to check out more of his stuff, I guess. Uh. Crazy the guy made Greenberg made this. Crazy that the lead actress in this is making the Barbie movie <laughs> next year or this year. This year. Exciting stuff, man. Did you see the trailer for that? Yeah. Did you like the trailer for that? Look, I'm already sold. Yeah, I was, I I was, I was sold trailer. on the announcement. Was, you know, I, I kind of was saying I don't watch trailers, but I did watch the Barbie trailer and it's a pretty awesome trailer. And all those set photos have been great. I'm I'm pretty pumped. I think it's gonna be good. Yeah. Woodpecker on our oh. balcony right now. Um, that's why we got the cat to take care of the, take woodpecker. Care of the woodpecker. Anything else? From- uh, well, I also rewatched the David Lynch short. What did Jack do? Did you ever watch this or know anything? It was on Netflix. Yeah, it's a Netflix short. Yeah, there's a few in my room on my desk that are, uh, they should be on my desktop with the two monitors. Uh, it's the short he did for Netflix. You know, he's been doing stuff. People have been rumoring for years that he was going to make a movie for Netflix. That then he was going to make a show for Netflix. I don't know if that got canceled or what happened, but that's not happening now. Well, he was furious that he couldn't use his own camera. Yes, he <laughs> threw a big old fit. I mean, it's, uh, it's a DV tape camera. He he has moved. Thankfully, moved on from the DV tape camera era of David Lynch. It would have been crazy if he had been like, "No, Twin Peaks season three needs to be shot on DV." Thank God that did not happen. That would have been upsetting. Uh, what did Jack do, though, is a movie where he plays a detective who's interrogating a monkey for 15 oh, minutes. Oh, hell yes. And then it ends with the monkey singing. Cool. Uh, it's about the monkey who, like, had a weird romance with a chicken named Tutataban. Uh I only, I had kind of forgotten about it, to be honest, but I got a call late at night from a, I, I opened Instagram, which I don't have the Insta, the, the notifications on for Instagram. I had like 16 missed calls from my brother's friend who was calling me just to find out if I had heard about it and what my feelings were. And I was like, I remember thinking it was quite good. <laughs> uh, and I rewatched it. I, I think it holds up. I really enjoy it. I think it's funny. Oh, also, he's inter- interrogating a monkey that has had a, like a hu- they Im- superimposed a human's mouth on the monkey. So oh, the monkey is yeah. talking back and it's like a whole it's a whole scene. It's not just David Lynch yelling at a monkey for 15 minutes. That's uh, awesome. But it's it's really good. <laughs> In my opinion, I thought it was really fun. Uh, 
So check that out if you haven't seen it. It's a nice little 15-minute uh, little chunk for you. Listener, go go seek it out. Seek it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I also, as we mentioned earlier, got to go see another one of my favorite movies, Gremlins and Gremlins 2 in theaters at the New Beverly for Christmas. It was amazing. I had a great time. Uh, you haven't seen those movies. You got to see those movies, man. Uh, they're great. Great double feature. Gremlins 2 isn't really a Christmas movie, but you know what, man? If you're watching Gremlins 1, you might as well watch Gremlins 2. Mm-hmm. Some people, I've heard people call it a New Year's movie. I don't know if it really... <laughs> I think the holiday movie, generally. It's not really, though. There's no holiday at all. Okay, happening. never mind. There's no it's holiday. It's a New York movie. Really actually, more than it sucks. Movie. Yeah, actually, fuck that movie. Uh, I also saw... Sneeze is coming back. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Sneeze is coming back. Uh, I, I rewatched all the Walson Gromit shorts, so this is a... Again, I'm sending the Nick beacon. Park, Luke. <laughs> That's good. That's good right there. I would love for them to collab. That'd be cool. I would. Oh, I would. I just want a uh... Park Chan Wook. I'm calling my shot right now. He should direct a live action version of the wrong trousers. I was going to go the opposite way and somebody should remake the decision to leave the claymation. <laughs> Look, both would be awesome. Guys, make it work. Yeah. Uh, make it look. <clears throat> nice. Thank you. <laughs> We're sending the call out to our one listener. I believe Sage said shortlisted Wallace and Gromit is a series that they would be willing to talk about. Yes. Uh, I've rewatched all of them now with the exception of the feature film. I'm ready to talk about the shorts. The shorts are some of the best animated things I've ever seen. They're some of my favorite things ever. Mm-hmm. Again, I got, I really treated myself in the past month. I've just rewatched some of my favorite uh, childhood favorites and they all, in my opinion, hold up so far. Good. Or maybe I'm lying about nostalgia. But regardless, Wrong Trousers, probably my favorite one. I don't know if you're familiar with any of them, Danny. Yeah, I watched uh, Were Rabbit and Wrong Trousers when I was younger. Well, you got to check out Close Shave sometime. Close Shave is really good. It's the one where Sean the Sheep shows up for the first time. Oh, maybe I did watch Close Shave. It's the one with the robot dog. That sounds familiar. Wrong Trousers is the one with the penguin. I definitely watched Wrong Trousers. Yeah, and I've we definitely had seen Where Rabbit. I just don't remember if I've seen Close Shave uh, or if I just well, heard of it. Grand Day Out's the one where they go to the moon. I haven't seen that one. That's the first uh, short. And the last one they made like over 10 years after. The, it was closer to when Where Rabbit came out called A Matter of Loaf and Death. Definitely didn't watch that. Uh, that one's good too. Okay. They're all very, very good. I haven't seen any of the Sean the Sheep uh, franchise. Going to have to check that out at some point. I like the theme song. Uh, you can listen to Sound Ass's version of the theme song. We did that many times. Uh, Chicken Run? What was that? Chicken Run? Chicken Run? Also good. I downloaded that. Been re- meaning to rewatch that, but I haven't yet. Uh, I also rewatched The Muppets 2011. That was our Christmas, post Christmas viewing. Whole family loved it. Movie holds up. Pretty good movie. Brett McKenzie from The Five of the Conquerors did the music. Uh, he is great. an Oscar now. Damn, that's crazy. It's very crazy. Uh, also saw him in Bajillion Dollar Properties, which I haven't seen him act in a very, very long time. So it was a real treat for me to get to see him in that. Uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties, great show. I uh, don't know if it's still on sale. The whole show was on sale for like five bucks the other day, and I just scooped it up, tore right through it, defeating my thesis that I can't watch TV shows. Uh, my Christmas viewing, Eyes Wide Shut. Starring the director of Tar, Todd Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, great movie. Uh, really funny. <laughs> like, it's a so really, funny. really funny movie. People who say Steve, I mean, Stanley Kubrick wasn't funny. Stupid. I are there very willingly 
ignoring a lot of parts in his career because he is really funny in a lot of movies. Yeah. And I, and I haven't seen them all, but everyone I've seen has jokes in it and they're uh, all very funny. That's definitely a funny movie. Clearly, uh, 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 Dr. Strangelove, funny movie. Lolita, kind of a funny movie. The man put a dog giving like a man in a suit a blowjob <laughs> in yeah. The Shining and they want to act like he wasn't like, I don't know, man. He just, the man was a, he was a, he was kooky. Yeah. And he would really respect the comedians. I don't know if, uh, Blank Check was doing their series on Stanley Kubrick and there was, he really, I mean, that's why I worked with Sellers so many times is because mm-hmm. like, I think he saw, didn't see himself as a very funny person. So he liked to surround himself with a lot of funny yeah. people and work with them a lot. Uh, I know Full Metal Jacket. I haven't seen all of it. Full Metal Jacket has some really the funny fucking yes, Lee Ermey. I've seen those scenes. Yeah, where he's just like yelling at everyone. Those are funny scenes. And and this thing is like is like it's 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 a it's a funny line too because it's like it is absolutely funny. It is also terrifying yes. at the same time he's like walks yeah. a really well yeah cool not to say line. eyes wide shut isn't without its scary yeah. intense moments because it is uh i mean i guess really the one thing it isn't is erotic which is funny given that it's so like but I mean, that's the point i think the whole yeah. point is it's supposed to be centered around sex and be like the least erotic movie of all time yeah oh i mean just the ending of that movie is like one of the funniest movie endings of all time uh, uh so that's good i also watched the wrong guy speaking of funny things uh it's a Dave Foley movie. Mm. Uh, I haven't really watched Kids in the Hall all that much, but same. I feel like I probably need to. I, I'm a big fan of sketch comedy, and I know people love them. So Dave Foley's great in this. Uh, Wrong guy was written by a Simpsons writer that I'm blanking on the name of now, but it was like a golden era Simpsons uh, um. writer, and the guy who works at the convenience store with Malcolm's mom in Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, oh oh um, he's the yeah. one of the other i think dave norton is his name i'm gonna double check real quick uh he's kind of one of the other right oh D- david anthony higgins uh he's the other writer on the movie and he's very funny Craig in feldspar it. is the character yeah, Craig yeah. Feldspar. uh really funny movie uh it's not easy to kind of stream right now but you can find it on youtube i think in its entirety Jake Hogan is the guy who wrote the Simpsons. Okay, okay. Really just tight 90-minute movie. A lot of gags. They're all really funny. Uh, Jennifer Tilly's in it. She's really funny. Joe Flaherty, or Flaherty. Yeah. He was another Canadian guy. He was in Strange Brew. He was the dad on Freaks and Geeks. Uh, he was one of the bad guys in Follow That Bird, the only mm-hmm. Sesame Street theatrical movie. He's one of like the the slime brothers or some something ridiculous they imprison blue, big bird he turns blue and sings a song called the bluebird of sadness it's a crazy movie honestly it's really i i enjoyed rewatching that one because i hadn't seen that since i was a kid pretty crazy movie uh but this isn't about that this is about the wrong guy which is just a good movie you should all check that out uh the last thing i had to talk about was babylon uh Look, guys, it's a nuts movie. I don't really, honestly, want to even get into spoilers. Danny hasn't seen it. Yeah. I don't know, man. Really interesting that this is what he chose to to make post-Oscar cachet. I mean, there's a little few years out, a few movies out. Just feels like First Man would have been a movie he made to be a course correction from a movie like this. So it's it's interesting that they're flipped in his filmography. Again, I look at his filmography and I just go, None of these movies are similar. I mean, this one reminded 
the the biggest through line I can see in his movies, first man excluded, because that is like such a weird outlier now yeah. to me. Uh, he loves music. I clearly. mean, yeah, that's for but sure. He's obsessed with jazz. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess, but each he's one, just obsessed. I think with American culture in general, and jazz is just a very definitely. easy thing to point to as, as far as American culture because it's something that was originated here for the most yeah, part. And he, and he clearly liked he played jazz. Yeah, but See, I didn't know that necessarily. But I got that. I really get that feeling watching these movies. Just you never heard that stuff about like basically that it's like that uh, Whiplash is like an extrapolation of mm-hmm. what it would I don't know if I did read that, but that makes sense. He, he used to be like when he was like in high school he was in like a traveling jazz band okay and that basically he what instrument did he play play drums okay play drums. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, look I, he's fucking so horny for the trumpet in babylon the, i assumed he was a trumpet player because i knew the first movie was about a trumpet player too the uh, guy madeline, guy madeline the park, bench. Tr- park bench yeah uh, he's fucking he's he obsessed is horny with for the, the trumpet, trumpet in babylon. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's a whole subplot with a, a black trumpet player and, and like how he navigates the studio system and just kind of like the fucked up things mm-hmm. that the studio system did to people of color that worked in it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, definitely like, but even then when you look at like how each one of his movies approaches jazz, mm-hmm. they, it almost comes across like he doesn't even really know. How he, like he clearly like is obsessed with it, but then like, I feel like the takeaway of, music is like completely different mm-hmm. if you watch whiplash if you watch la la land yeah and i didn't see the first one but i'm assuming the first one is probably a little more positive guy man on a park bench yeah i feel like it has less to say about music maybe okay. it does. i mean i just know he's a musician in it so i guess maybe i'm i'm maybe putting more on that i haven't seen the movie too so it, no i'm you know looking back i guess you could you could look at that and draw comparisons to that in la la land mm-hmm. but this one isn't openly inviting you to compared to La La Land because they literally use the same like songs like the combat there's recurring melodies from the La La Land soundtrack in the Babylon soundtrack it's and I, that, I saw I people complaining that. about that or some people just being like I don't know why you would do that unless you wanted just it to be in complete conversation with La La Land which I guess I get if that's your point but I have I have heard it is like nega La La Land <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little. It kind of is a little bit. It's Lolland loves L.A. That one, I'm kind of not entirely. Love L.A. Hate Hollywood. Yeah, that's kind of how it. it yeah. Feels. Well, but it loves Hollywood too. It's it's very conflicted mm-hmm. in the same way that Tar is so conflicted about. I don't know. I'm just drawing comparisons that don't make sense. Uh, clearly, he loves movies. If you've seen the end of Babylon, so. Guys, check out Babylon, and uh, this is the one time I'm going to open it up to fans. You can reach out to me so we can talk about it, because no one watched this movie. Uh, I went to it opening night, and it was a completely empty theater. Margot Robbie came on screen and said, thanks for coming to see Tar. Uh, tar. <laughs> thanks for coming to see Tar. It was really <laughs> hey, confusing. Thanks for coming to see Tar. You know, in the theater next door, we are also doing a movie. Please come check it out. <laughs> Please, once you finish this nearly three-hour movie, come see our actual three-hour movie in the next door. Uh, yeah, she was like, Thanks for coming to see Babylon the way it was meant to be seen with a energetic full theater. <laughs> I was just like, oh, and the homeless guy walks in my screen and Violent Night's also there. Yeah, He's like, yeah, woo. Yeah, so I just I don't know. It was especially it felt just so contradictory given the end of that movie. But again, mm-hmm. Danny will need to see the movie before we talk about that. Same how you guys had to, to wait out till you heard how I felt about Tar, which was it's good uh and i think that's 
pretty close to all the things that I've, I've watched. I got one last thing, which is all I watched right. It Happened One Night. Oh, yeah, you did. Uh, the other, the, other the first night he went almost went to go see Violent Night. He- yes, I almost went to go see Violent Night, and then stuff came up, and I didn't want to go see Violent Night anymore because I was just like tired. And I said, Stick me up. What? Stick me up? No, I just I said stuff came up. Oh, stuff came up. I thought you said just stuck him up. I'm like, I don't oh. think I got. Uh, so I, I said stayed home on the couch and watched it happen one night, mm-hmm. which I had seen a long time ago because I'm a big Frank Capra. I'm a Capra head. Yeah. Um, You're uh, a Capra holic. I'm, I'm a bit capricious. <laughs> no. God. That sucks. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, it sucks, but I'm glad you said it. Is a good movie. I, you know, what's funny is I feel like I don't know. There's a lot of controversy around Brad Pitt right now, I guess. But uh, <laughs> oh, I also just want to say I thought Brad Pitt was like kind of just bad in Babylon, which has floored me because I'm kind of always in the bag for Brad Pitt. Yeah, but this is the most I ever felt like he was trying really hard to act in a way that I think when I watch a Brad Pitt movie, usually I like that he seems so cool and almost like he just doesn't even care that he's yeah. there, but. I don't know. It felt like he was acting with a capital A in a yeah. way that felt so bizarre to me, which I'm sure I'm sure I could find a movie where he's done that before. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, no, I know everyone. Everyone should on Brad Pitt. And uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I get it. It most I don't know. It seems to be coming from the divorce stuff, but the what? No, this is like the what stuff though? Divorce. Divorce. Okay, sorry. I thought you said the door. I'm like, are there he said maybe the doors? And I was like, wait, no, hold on. Yes. <laughs> what? He's touring with the doors now. The Jim Morrison estate is furious at uh, <laughs> Mr. Pitt. Jim Morrison tells all. Uh well, at least the doors documentary was narrated by someone who isn't controversial at all by twenty twenty three standards. I don't even know who did it. Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh nice. Uh <laughs> that's funny. Um the uh yeah, it, I I I was say that Brad Pitt. <laughs> it's crazy how much of old Hollywood stuff was just because I feel like now there is a focus on like wow, acting performances, and back in like the forties, it felt like half of movies were actors were just kind of doing what Brad Pitt does. Oh it's yeah, just like hey, be charismatic on screen. Or they were acting with a capital A. But part of me feels like, like character actors to pick mostly, but I'm not about like leading men. Leading men and women. Like what movies? Can you just give it, me some music? It happened one night. Okay, sorry. sorry. That's a Clark Gable is like Okay, sorry. Exactly I haven't watched any Clark Gable stuff, but Oh, he's exactly that. It's like it's like, is this guy a good actor? Yeah, I don't know, but he's cool. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um I mean uh <laughs> if you want to have a guy who's cool on screen who then jumps into acting with a capital A it could do both in the same movie as James Dean. Uh, <laughs> okay. I haven't seen James Dean. Oh, uh, if you, I swear to God, you watch rebel without a cause, rebel without a cause. And most of that movie is just James Dean being cool on screen. And then there's like three scenes where you go like, he is acting, acting. Yeah. Damn. Uh, we're like nothing, no, like just zero to 60. And then that you're tearing yeah. us apart. That's the, Oh, wow. Okay. Can't you see this is tearing us apart? Look, I hear those lines, and I just think the think, room. <laughs> well, it's because he stole I know, those but lines. Now I'm yeah. like, yeah, he just stole that from, from everything. Yeah, which totally makes. Well, sense. he says you're tearing me apart, which yeah. doesn't make any sense because in in Rebel Without a Cause, he's talking about his family is arguing at dinner. Yeah, and he's like, the the family is breaking up. And it's, um, but anyway, uh, 
the yeah i watched it happen one night i think that it's first of all found out it was all it was mostly filmed in van nuys <laughs> it was filmed on sepulveda you gotta be fucking kidding me <laughs> <I'm serious. laughs> I could have put that in the PowerPoint. I wish I totally forgot about that. And then, but yeah, he, uh, it's, it's mostly filmed, uh, uh, on Sepulveda. I think that's just fucked up. <laughs> Actually, they filmed it in the Costco parking lot. Uh, but right where Tupac recorded the demo to yes. California love near the fat burger, near the fat burger, fat burger, the fat, burger's in the fat burger <laughs> appears in it. It happened one night. Yeah. Um, it, it, First of all, <laughs> if any of you guys want to read a book about film history, I highly recommend Frank Capra's name above the title. I don't know if you can believe everything that's in that book because he is much like all of my favorite historical figures. He's a little bit of a self-insert guy. Oh, yeah. Um, I like Robert Evans a lot. Yeah. He's my version of that. Is, you guys should check out the kids stays in the picture if you want yes. something similar to this. If to, you want to hear someone self-mythologize themselves which, into... I mean, I think Robert Evans is a little bit more in the background, so he kind of has to self-mythologize. Well, he was an actor, too, though. That's true. But he was the head of the studio, too. I don't know. It goes back and forth. I think he was more forward-facing than a lot of those types were. But But he also was such a fucking self-mythologizing like dickhead. He wants to take credit for everything after the fact. Yeah, Capra's not quite that bad. Yeah. But also, it's one of those things where it's like Capra is... is, He reminds me a little bit of Jelly Roll Morton, which is like... (laughs) If you just shut the fuck up, like forever, people would still be like, "You're one of the greatest of all time," mm-hmm. because he did. Like, he was the first guy to ever win like five Oscars on one movie, mm-hmm. and like he also was president of the Academy for like a decade. Oh, and uh, you know all of that stuff where you go like, you don't need to self mythologize, man. Like, you're one of the most, you're probably the most successful filmmaker of your era. Like. <sighs> it's fucking insane and then but I think now that basically there was a period where people were like this guy's corny and I don't like him mm-hmm. he like felt like he had to self mythologize and also like he had, it had to have a reaction to new Hollywood yeah but really fascinating book Um, it's very funny that basically he had directed a movie before this which is maybe his most embarrassing movie I don't even think it's a bad movie but it's this movie called the um, the bitter tea of General Yen, which is about <laughs> that just sounds like a you made that up. <laughs> <laughs> this and it sounds like it would be on Tim Heidecker's list of new <laughs> Woody Allen movies. <laughs> um, it's it's a movie about I believe she's a missionary, a white missionary who goes to Japan or no, must be China, Shanghai, Shanghai. Um. And she falls in love with a Chinese general, and it's about like it was, of course, played by a Swedish by, by a Swedish guy. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's actually about like it's sort of like tolerant toward miscegenation in a way that was weird for that time. But it is definitely still very Orientalist in the yeah. way that they portray China. Which I mean, this well, that was also pre-communist China, or like right as like the communists started to gain traction in China. So it wasn't like now, like if you did a movie like that, now you'd be like, that's not even what China's like. But yeah, but that said that he's, he openly said he made that movie. Cause he's like, I was trying to make a movie that had a fucking point that I wanted an Oscar. I wanted an Oscar bait movie. And then he opened, he made it. And first of all, people still being racist being like, you can't fucking make this movie, man. It was not super popular. Yeah. 
which is funny because then you watch that movie and people who are like anti-racist are like, you can't watch this movie. <laughs> There's nobody, nobody's happy with this movie at the end yes. of the day. Um, <laughs> but the, at the time it was like, you can't make a movie where a woman falls in love with a <laughs> Asian man, you fucking idiot. And then also uh, that he was like, I think I got blinded by just wanting to win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And then he said, so he basically got relegated to making comedies again. And then he'd read this story in like the fucking New Yorker or something. It was like one of those like five page like short stories they used to post mm. called The Night Bus. It was just about a guy who follows around this girl on a on a night bus. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I guess if I'm going to make fucking comedies, I'll just make another one of these. And that he wanted to make this movie and that nobody wanted to be in it. Clark Gable was his fourth choice. And Clark Gable apparently only got in because he had he was on contract to some other studio. I want to say maybe it was at Warner Brothers and he was like, I want to make... They asked him to be in a movie and Clark Gable said no. And they were like, you don't fucking say no to us. And Clark Gable was like, I'm not going to do the movie. And they're like, yeah. fine, fuck you. You won't do our movie. You'll do a shitty Capra movie. We're going to send you to Columbia, which is like the tiniest shitty studio. It's a, they used to refer to it as Poverty Row. Yeah. And they said, like, Leguizamo is going to be born here yeah. someday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they said that. <laughs> Weird. Strange. Um, they called their shot. Uh, they sent him to Columbia and were like, "You have to make this movie with Frank Capra, who was just coming off of a failure of a movie mm-hmm. and is working at a lesser studio." And then Claudette Colbert, who um, had been in a Frank Capra's first feature or second feature, but he'd made a m- movie with her before, and she hated him so much that she said that she would only make this movie if they guaranteed her all her money beforehand and also they could shoot all of her stuff in three weeks because she was going to go on vacation. Mm -hmm. And then she still wrote at the end of the movie, at the end of her shooting, she sent a letter to her friend that was like, I just did probably the worst movie I'll ever make. And then Clark Gable was better about it later. He said that he showed up. He was so pissed off that he had to even go to this meeting with Frank Capra. He showed up drunk. (laughs) And then... He just gave Frank Capra a bunch of shit. And then uh, he said later, he was like, I hadn't even read the script yet. Then I read the script and I was like, I called Frank Capra and I was like, I want to apologize. Uh, I was unfamiliar with your game. Um, Speaking of being unfamiliar with the game, I have to admit, I thought that I got it happened one night mixed up with a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. So I thought you were saying they filmed like a Roman period piece. <laughs> On Sepulveda, I was like, bro, what are you talking about? No, it's right about now? traveling by bus. Okay. That um, makes a lot more sense. It's kind of the only thing, the, the best thing to do on Sepulveda. You got to travel. They filmed it on the flyway bus. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I sat where Clark I sat where Gable, Clark Gable, Gable sat. I was, I was in the Gable, the Gable, the Gable throne. Um, <laughs> There's a little plaque that said Gable's throne. Uh, anyway, that movie, pretty cool. It's it's just it's I'm not saying I'm not saying it's like a movie that you need to watch especially but it is funny that there is a lot of like first of all like a lot of weird cultural impact from that one movie mm-hmm. like the hiking up your skirt to pull somebody over yeah and then also that basically Bugs Bunny was born out of that movie mm-hmm. um and 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it is a really entertaining movie too, and it's funny to just watch movies where basically it's like, are these guys great actors? No, but they're all so cool that you just kind of enjoy watching them on screen. So do uh, I haven't watched anything besides uh, Wonderful Life and Arsenic and Old Lace. If I was gonna watch any other ones, got a wreck. I think you would. I mean, as a noted Looney Tunes enthusiast. Yes. I think you might get a kick out of it happen one night. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been on my watch list. I've been meaning to watch it. I just... Yeah. It it definitely... You look at it, and it's like... It is like Bugs Bunny is just Clark Gable's character cranked up to 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, I probably... It Happened One Night is definitely his most famous, like, successful movie. I also think... Um, I am personally a big fan of uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm-hmm. I think that movie holds up, and people who say that Jimmy Stewart isn't a good actor are idiots. That's dumb, uh, in my opinion. And probably, I was not even a big fan of It's a Wonderful Life the first few times I watched it. I like it more now. Um, uh, there is a movie um, called A Hole in the Head. Okay. That's a Frank Sinatra movie where Frank Sinatra, I think he plays a con man um, who helps a little kid. That movie was pretty good. Um, damn, he also did a movie with uh, fucking... Um, um, who would win in a fight, Mr. Deeds or Mr. Smith? Smith. Smith, Smith actually f- does fight a dude in that movie. That's awesome. Um, fight the president? Yes. This movie's not even. I don't think ever the president even shows up. What the fuck. Um, Does he fight the the House Speaker? No, he fights another. He, they're 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 in the Senate. First of all, oh, I don't know anything about this movie other than he goes to Washington and makes a speech. Um, but uh, damn, he did another movie with Bing Crosby that was right before Hole in the Head. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, um, not. Riding High. Although Riding High was a remake of another movie he did. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Here Comes the Groom? Might be Here Comes the Groom. Yeah. Here Comes the Groom, Bing Crosby, and Jane Wyman. That movie's pretty good. He did like a couple musicals like that. Gotcha. Um, he also had said <laughs> he had said that one of his unrealized projects was he wanted to do Shakespeare's Julius Caesar with Frank Sinatra's Caesar and the rest of the cast being the Rat Pack, the Rat Pack. would have been awesome. And he said that he would was Dean Martin have been Brutus. <laughs> I don't know, but I thought that that was kick ass. And then he always said that he was like, basically, he said his biggest regret was that he couldn't get Frank Sinatra to do better movies because by the end of his career, Frank Sinatra oh. was doing all these fucking terrible movies. Ocean's Eleven is a really bad movie, but even that's like a good-ish one in comparison really? to the rest. Dude, I just I guess late I don't stage know. Sinatra's fucking movies are awful. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Wait till you see the ones where he's doing detective movies. <laughs> you think I'm movies. gonna get that far? <laughs> oh, he did detective movies. He did detective movies that he produced, <laughs> and and they're just bad. It's like probably later. It's like the 70s, but I just mean fucking terrible. Um, did a lot of movies. Anyway, <sighs> yeah, those was 11 though. That movie's bad. Anyway, I'm a strong, I'm a defender of the Capra, uh, the Capra filmography. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I think I like his stuff. Uh, he did 
also did the whole like you know the why we fight series for the federal government like all the like the the war world war ii documentaries oh okay um i'm not familiar with those there it's like basically it was like somewhere between a documentary and a newsreel but okay. he was he he joined the army uh he was in the army actually in mm-hmm. world war one but then oh he poly shore style poly shore style um doing it poly shore style he was kind of the poly shore of his time <laughs> Funny that you watched Arsenic on all How'd you feel about that movie? I liked it a lot. I went to rewatch it a couple of years ago and I didn't finish it, but uh, I watched it in school actually. Hmm. I watched it in an English class. I really liked it though. I thought it was it was fun. Okay. I mean, it's like <laughs> just like two kooky old ladies who keep murdering people yeah. and their nephew just keeps trying it's, to cover it up. It's yeah. really funny. I don't know. Uh, I thought it was a lot funnier than some, or, some older comedies that I'd seen. Yeah. I thought it it was working for me, and I've been meaning to rewatch it for years now, but uh, I haven't got around to it yet. It's Cary Grant, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cary Grant's great, man. Cary Grant's a few of his movies. I think Cary Grant is also Mr. Deeds, right? Or Mr. Smith, right? No, no, that's, that's uh, sorry, you just said that was <laughs> that uh, was a uh, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, Cary Grant is um, also. Oh, no, wait, actually, you know what? That is the only Cary Grant movie. I'm thinking uh, Gary Cooper is in a couple of those movies. Oh, okay, okay. Gary Cooper is Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Deeds and also Meet John Doe. Gotcha. Wait, um, sorry, Meet who? Mr. Deeds and Meet John Doe. John Doe, okay. Um, I knew it wasn't then, Joe Black, but I was kind of like filling in the blank in my head for you to say Meet Joe Black. Barbara like, Stanwyck's in a bunch of his fucking movies. I think they did like four movies back to back together, but um, love me some Barbara Stanwyck. Anyway, all right, we should probably Anyways, um, I'm realizing I've only seen two Cary Grant movies. Three if you want to count Dead Moon, Don't Wear a Plaid, but that doesn't count. Okay, I don't count. Do you know how the movie works? No. Have you not seen that movie? I think you'd be into it. It's a noir movie that Steve Martin made, and I think Carl oh. Reiner, the one where they, yeah, it's Carl yeah. Reiner directed, the one where they insert all the clips oh, of older yes. movies. Yes. Uh, I think Gary, Coop, Gary Cooper was in Lost Weekend, right? Right, hey, mixing up people now. Hey, Ray no. Millen is the guy from Lost Weekend. All right. We uh, got to stop this. We got to stop this. We're so, this is like a two and a half hour podcast. That's good. People right. want that. It's a tar length. It's tar length. Uh, you've been tarred <laughs> and he tried to three, I four technically <laughs> I agree with you. three files alright <laughs> well look you did this to yourself I'm at McGill for real on all social media uh, Grant what's up with you I'm inside joke all social media and I'm running one of my tastemakers social media now whenever we get an episode posted so that should be uh, soon we're banking right now Danny's about to make his great escape and uh was like girls yes was like girls uh and we'll see you soon can i hit stop now no okay what else we have to do no you can hit stop are you sure yeah, you want to fo- fill them in on another football game real quick before we leave <laughs> yeah what's the score here the giants are giants up are at seven 14 points. seven over the vikings yep uh start of the second quarter so just look up how that ended and check look how it should have ended. Yeah. Anyway. And check out John dies at the end. Ah. Oh. Thanks. Thanks.